Hi, my name is Sean Linden. I'm the writer and director of uh, Hunter Hunter, and you are listening to the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, episode number 153, where tonight we are going to be talking about 2010's rare exports. Um, Also, make sure you stay tuned after the episode as we have a very special interview with director Sean Linden, uh, who just released Hunter Hunter, uh, stars Devin Sawa. Uh, very, very good movie. Uh, me and Steve are going to be talking about it during our What Watched later on tonight. But the movie just released today, actually, uh, on demand. So uh, stay tuned. You will hear our thoughts about that. And you will also hear our interview, which I might add is also uh, spoiler-free. So if you just want to hear the interview without seeing the movie, you can definitely do that as well. Um, so, yeah, what's up? I got Steve, I got Sam here, Todd being a little Grinch right now, not here yet, but he should be joining us later on. But uh, what is up, guys? Don't be doing Todd like that, Joe. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to be here. You got to be here. <laughs> <laughs> but what's up? What's up, everyone? How was, uh, how was your week? It was great. Fantastic. How was yours? Steve? My week's been my week's been good. It's been solid, you know. No complaints. Um, you ready for yeah. vacation? I am ready for vacation. Yes, I'm going on vacation uh, next week. Very excited for that. Sam and I will be watching our Christmas horror movies. We haven't watched many. This was actually this movie tonight is actually probably like one of the first ones we've really watched for the whole month. Uh, what about what about you, Steve? I know you've been a little more on the Christmas horror thing, watching those cr- Krampus. 15 Krampus movies that are out there no so uh, I started to and then I realized just how quickly the end was uh, the year was ending so I kind of switched gears and went to 2020 films so I've been watching almost exclusively 2020 films for our end of year list nice uh, because like honestly the last month and a half my top 10 list has dramatically changed yeah, um, I'm finding all sorts of stuff that I just absolutely adore. I'm going to talk about two of them that might be on my top 10 tonight. And one that might probably, well, actually, more than likely will be in my bottom five. So <laughs> I'm just pumping out 2020 films and kind of got off the Christmas train. But I am watching like regular Christmas movies, you know, the kind of the usual suspects of things I like to watch every year. Uh, but for my horror, I think this might be it after this is like rare exports and whatever we watch next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you, Steve. My like list ha- is quickly changing with the more, uh, you know, I usually once you get into December, not much else comes out and you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is going to be my, my top 10 for the year. But like, there's been like three or four movies I've watched within the past couple weeks and I'm like, oh my God, like these movies could easily make my top 10. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting list once I sit down and uh compile my list so i'm i'm very excited i have no idea like what i i have like my top three set but after that it's like a complete free-for-all so i uh i'm interested to see which ones end up not just missing out on the cut and there's definitely going to be some that um probably deserve it which is a surprise considering like with you know a covid year and not a 
ton of stuff has come out, but there's been some uh, really good indie surprises this year. So, yeah, very, very good. Yeah, what about was, you, Sid? Oh, go ahead. I, I just want to say, I, I was actually discussing this with some friends of mine. Uh, I think my 2020 list right now is stronger than my 2019 list. Yeah. And I can't say that any other genre has even close to anything like the horror genre had in 2020. I think the horror genre really um, like shows its originality and it's at its best when, you know, people take risks and make smaller movies and new ideas and not necessarily to appease like studios. So uh, yeah, no, this has been a great year for horror. And I don't think any other genre is even close to being as good as horror right now. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Sam, what about you? Are you uh, are you excited to make your, your top 10 list this year? Hell no, I'm not. <laughs> Why not? Well, have you been listening to the podcast? I really haven't watched much of anything. I well, you've watched a lot just on this podcast alone, though, from like releases this year. Nothing that I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I can only remember three movies that I somewhat liked. Okay. I- I, I guess I just need to go back, jog my memory. Um, I'll probably ask you guys in the chat. I'll say, tell me one that I need to watch um, for a chance for it to be on my top 10. Mm-hmm. But I don't, if I can't come up with anything, I'm not going to do the episode. I'll do it, but I'll, <laughs> I'll sit on the sidelines. You'll definitely be able to come up with something. I mean, we've watched, I don't know how many we've actually watched like on the podcast this year, but I mean, definitely over 20. Yeah, and I, I'm at like 60 in the year just on my own. Right. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot. Uh, and I'm, yeah, like you said, on the podcast, we did a lot of 2020 films this year. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you'll definitely be able to come up with something, Sam. And with uh, us both being on vacation next week, I think we can definitely squeeze some in that we both haven't seen. I know Hashtag Alive is a really popular one that we haven't watched yet. And uh, I'm really, I really want to check out this uh, movie Steve told us about too. Uh, anything for Jackson? Anything for Jackson. That's all I hear a lot of people praising. So uh, definitely. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, let's just head right into the question, Steve. Yeah, sounds good. So you can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast or by email the Horror Squad Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, first one comes to us from our good friend Weezerface. She asks, really the most important question of all, how was Sam's birthday? Well, that's really sweet. Thanks to everyone who wished me a happy birthday um, through our social media that warmed my heart. My birthday was good. Nothing special, but special enough, you know? Joe decorated me a little spooky cake because normally I have a tradition of decorating my own spooky cake and joe did such a great job it's on my instagram if you guys want to check it out at halloween happy yeah you know i pat on the back for myself there pat on the back (laughs) pat on the butt yes i even pulled out a few things from my horror collection to throw on the cake which i thought really added um added to it it always does Yes. I, I, I thought you were about to say I pulled some stuff out of my horror collection to give her for her birthday. <laughs> I was like, what? Are <laughs> you just moving it from one room to another? Like... Let's not get crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had to throw a little Michael Myers and uh, Creature as those are Sam's two favorites. Mm-hmm. So they had to get on that cake somehow. And uh, yeah, turned out very well. 
Good. I'm glad to hear it, Sam. That's, uh, and good job, Joe. I, I, I was talking to Sam off air before you guys came on, and uh, yeah, it was it was all nothing but praise. Um, all right. Wow. So- Sam, Sam must be feel not feeling well tonight. Because <laughs> her other boyfriend, uh, Todd, has is not in the room yet. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So the next question comes to us from horror fan Ryan, another longtime listener. Uh, it's the time of year to celebrate Festivus, so gather around the pole and let's air our horror grievances. What Ooh. problems do you have with the current state of horror? It could do with movies, genres, or the horror community. One grievance I have is I'm tired of people telling you if you haven't seen Insert a Horror Film Movie, then you are not a true horror fan. Love yeah. the podcast, everyone, and hope you all have a safe and healthy Christmas and New Year's. Look forward to 2021 and many more episodes. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you Thank so you. much. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I totally agree with that take. Um, that the, you're not the whenever i see that you're not a true horror fan i automatically dismiss that person like i'm just like you know that that is like such a wrong thing to say um and the horror community can be very toxic at times i would say you know for the most part it is a pretty positive community but once in a while man it, it can get pretty toxic where i'm just like oh man you guys are better than this yeah absolutely and uh i know we've talked about this before but uh, people who dismiss modern horror films, um, yes. and it's just, it just, I, it, I don't understand it. There are so many great uh, modern horror films. I mean, like I was just saying before, my 2020 list I think is way stronger than 2019, and uh, it's just, my God, I can only imagine what the decade list would look like already with just these films, um, and what we know of 2021. You know, I think. All, like I give all horror films a shot, whether they were in from 1930 or released, you know, last week. Uh, I think they all have something particular. Like, yes, I get, you know, the 80s has its own aesthetic, the 70s have its own aesthetic, the 90s, all that stuff. And, you know, there's no nostalgia. There's no, maybe the aesthetic is not as obvious with today's films, but it's just an exciting time to be a horror fan. You know, it's a lot easier to make films now because, you know, you can just pick up your phone essentially and make something like Unsane. Uh, if you have originality, uh, you just can make whatever you want. And on top of that, a lot of the people making films now grew up in those like 80s and 70s era or even the 90s and are using that and making new things. And it's just really exciting. So it really uh, pisses me off when people hate on the modern films because they're great and you're just missing yeah. out if you're being that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Is there any trends from this year you would like to see less of? I feel like maybe we've answered this question before, but yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, The number one trend I hope I never fucking see for the rest of my existence is just reusing old footage and putting (laughs) dubbing shit all over it and calling it a film. Studio in particular. Yes, yes, that's uh, that's two movies I can think of from the same uh, from the same person in the same studio. But uh, yeah, that's something I hope people just don't do um I, I like the originality that things like host for example that took you know the situation that we were in and created something really cool but uh yeah don't do what he did uh, and right. actually and i'll talk about this on my what watch this week i think we're at a point where uh, misleading like your audience into what your film is whether it's by the poster by the description by the subgenre that you pick or the genre that you put on, you know, it's uh, 
it sucks, man. Like I'm going to talk, like talk about something that everything was misleading. The poster was misleading. The, the, you know, the description was misleading and it just pissed me off. Like it's, you don't need to do that. You know, there's an audience for everything. So had they been honest, then there might be an audience that would like that. But if you're going in expecting something and getting something totally different, not cool. Yeah, and you'll tell us what film you're talking about later? Yeah, I will. It's in my watch. Ooh, I can't wait to hear about it, Steve. And I already have my answer for next year um, because you know it's coming. The influx of quarantine slash virus horror movies are, I think, are going to be a huge thing next year. Um, and I feel like that's going to get old really fast. So, yep, but absolutely. We, we shall see. <laughs> I mean, it'll be cool for, I guess, a, a couple movies, but then it's going to turn into, like, uh, the zombie genre where things start getting super oversaturated with it. But, you know, everyone's going to be uh, rushing out there. Isn't it, I think one just came out recently, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we saw the trailer for it, Sam. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 where he is trying to get his girlfriend from the apartment building. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it just came out recently. But uh, yeah. All right. Next question, I guess. So uh, thank you, Ryan, for that. Uh, and the yeah. next series of questions come to us from Mandy. She says, Marvel announced a what if series on Disney Plus that showcases what would have happened if characters made different choices. If there was a horror version of a what if show, what would you like to see? What, for example, what if Freddy was innocent and went after the parents instead of the kids in the Nightmare on Elm Street? I like that. Yeah, like and that. and while you guys are thinking about it, because I had time to think about it, so I wrote down uh, two different ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to see a what if film if uh, Chris McNeil, which was played by uh, Alan Burstyn, got possessed instead of Reagan in The Exorcist. Ooh. What kind of movie would that have been? Um, I would also like to know what if the bikers never attacked in the mall in Dawn of the Dead? What would have happened to the to the people in that mall? Would they have kept going for a long time? Would have they turned on each other? I'm just curious. Like eventually, something would have had to happen. You're gonna run out of food. You're gonna run out of you know resources. So I was curious. Interesting. I like that. Okay, I got one. What if Heather and Mike never heard Josh's screams in the woods and went into the Rustin Parr house? What would have happened to them Ooh. in the woods? Would they have died from starvation? Would the witch have gotten them some other way? Could have been interesting. That's good. Yeah. I think the witch would have gotten them either way, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never maybe they would have found the car. Um, I don't really, nothing comes to mind quick enough to answer this question. No, but, but, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, you going to say that? Well, I was trying to think of, like, something with Get Out, if it ended a little differently. I was maybe thinking of if Rose, if Rose, if they ended up, well, I don't know, because then it's like, well, it would just lead into a sequel, but. Like if Rose did end up staying alive and Chris did go through with the uh, brain transfer, like what what would be happening, you know? Yeah. Or how about this? So what what if the black people 
wanted to turn into old white people so they can rule America from their perspective. Ooh. Yeah, that would be interesting. That yeah. could be a whole, a whole different movie. I like that. You should copyright yeah. that. <laughs> right? Yeah, because I think it would be interesting to see what would like a black man's mind or a black woman's mind do with like the privilege of a white man's, you know, I guess, you know, position in America. That's going to be a movie, Steve, I think. Yeah, no, I think it'd be interesting because yeah, yeah it'd kind of be like The Associate. I don't know if you guys ever seen that movie with Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> where she, I have. Uh, yeah, she yeah. becomes uh, an old white man. That's, oh, yeah, she that's oh, yeah. she. She um kind of does like a she wears like makeup though, right? Yeah, yeah. She she's not that's actually it. turning. But there's also a Down to Earth with Chris Rock where he oh, actually does right. become a, an old white man. Yep. Yeah. So it's and been done in comedy, but I'd like to see like a serious version of it. And you got the comedic genius of white chicks as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, that was the ugliest <laughs> like, <laughs> women ever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, a serious version of that story, I think, would be in- very interesting to see. Um, but I-, I would totally love a what if kind of series, uh, use it in horror and stuff, not just Marvel films. Although the Marvel stuff is cool, we're getting a Marvel Zombies, which I'm a huge fan of uh, when we're talking about horror. So looking forward to that. Um, her next question is Do you have any collectibles from horror Christmas movies? If so, what you got? Um, what was it, Christmas horror movies? Yeah, it's like, do you have anything from a Christmas horror movie as a collectible? Oh, yeah, I have the uh, Krampus Bell from the movie uh, Krampus, of course. Is it from uh, the horror block? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Was it is that was it horror block or was it Bandbox? I can't remember which one it came uh, in. They, I, I got two different ones. I think they both did one. So okay. I'm not sure which uh, one you got it from. I, got but... was actually, I think the one I got, I want to say it was from Bandbox, which is, it, is probably is it, is it really cheap? Put out. Is it really cheap looking or is it like really cheap? No, is it the one I got is like really nice. It's okay, like, so, yeah, so like that's, a patina on it and everything. Yeah, that's the Bandbox one. The one from Horror Block with basically just a sticker on a bell. <laughs> that's yeah. <a> Krampus. <laughs> yeah, no, the one Bandbox did was awesome. Like it was actually one of the better things they've ever put out, uh, I would say um other than that i'm sad to say i really oh well, i have some gremlins obviously if you count that yeah. um which i would i guess uh other than that i i don't have much else horror stuff i i know they did make a silent night deadly night figure which i regrettably don't have and i probably should but other than that i, I really don't think there's much else out there like horror christmas wise yeah it's, it's not definitely not one of the things that you see a lot of um i do have a few gremlins things uh, which nothing really i'd say of note you know i don't have any really cool gremlin things although i would love to get a life-size greta i think that would be freaking awesome Mm. Uh, i do have a lot of horror ornaments from christmas horror films but more than that i have a krampus head uh tree topper which is what tops my horror tree um which i really love his eyes like light up red and stuff like that and I, in my like horror room, I have a, not life-size, because Krampus is really huge, maybe one half scale uh, Krampus, which is a Halloween costume I love so much that I actually mounted onto like uh, another animatronic. But other than that, no, I think that's all I got. Um, all right. And her last uh, two questions um, here. I have some stuff. Do you? At the yeah. other place? Oh, great. What do you have? 
Um, the question was, do we have any Christmas horror items? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, so I, uh, this is off the top of my head, but I think I, I know for sure I have the Krampus, uh, vinyl. And then I want to say I have the black Christmas one. Um, the original actually. And then I also have, we have a bunch of, uh, like horror ornaments as well. And then I have a Jack Frost VHS somewhere. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I did forget about the records. Those those are pretty awesome. Which ones do you have? Uh, the one, no, the one Sam's mentioned. Okay. They're Sam's, but uh, oh, they're, they're, awesome. they're really cool. We're going to have to listen to them this year, Sam. I know. We need to get them out. I forgot. We've been slacking, yeah. We've been slacking on our vinyl playing. And we have a lot of good ones between the two of us. So. But mostly me. <laughs> yes. Oh, very, very cool. Sorry, Sam. I didn't think you had separate stuff then. No, I was like, I was the like, room oh. over. <laughs> and I was like, I actually got some stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Non Christmas horror, but I got Sam the Home Alone um, soundtrack on vinyl last year, which is like an amazing set. And we still have a listen to it. So we definitely have to get on that, Sam. I like the music in Home Alone. It's, uh, it's so it's good. It's, it's, it's like John, Williams. John Williams, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, and her last little series of questions here. Uh, finally, a couple fuck Mary kills for you. One for the guys and one for the lady. So uh, the first one, which is for the lady, I would assume, uh, she called this the Santa edition. Oh, shit. So you got Bill Goldberg's Santa in Santa's sleigh. You have Billy Bob Thornton's Santa in Bad Santa. And... Santa gangbang from Rare Exports, aka all those Santas at once. <laughs> what was my first choice? Uh, Goldberg Santa from Santa Slay. I don't, I've never seen Santa Slay. Yeah, we should probably watch that this year. I've never seen it either, and everyone tells me it's fun. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty fun. It's on Tubi, so it's uh, easy access. And actually, something it's probably going to be one of my picks for next week. Speaking of Tubi, that's where Sam and I watched Rare Exports. So for anyone looking to watch it, it's on Tubi as well as Amazon Prime. And Shudder. That's where I watched it. Shudder. All right, there you go. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know who the first guy is, so I don't know how I'm going to answer this. Okay. Um, is he cute, the first guy? I mean, he's, Goldberg's he's, a wrestler. He's huge. He's like a, famous, he's like a big, bald-headed wrestler, I guess. The best thing to compare him to, do you know who's like Stone Cold Austin is? Yeah. He kind of looks like that, I guess. But with more roids. <laughs> yeah, but more jacked up. Is yeah. his character nice? Is what? Is his character nice? Uh, yeah, he's like not like a bad guy. He's a good guy. Okay, well, I guess I'll marry him. I guess I'll sleep with Billy Bob because he grosses me out and I only have to deal with him for a few moments. And then I'm killing all the Santa elves. No, they're so cute though. No, they need to be put out of their misery. Sam, I just sent a picture of Goldberg in Santa's sleigh so you can see what he looks like. Let me take a look and see what this guy... Um... This is frightening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'm still keeping my same answers. I send you another picture of them all, Jack. <laughs> oh, he's nice there. I, I actually, funny story about that. So the lead actress in the film, 
thought that it was Jeff Goldblum that was going to be Zana, not <laughs> Bill Goldberg. Oh, no. So when she showed up for a rehearsal, she saw that it wasn't Jeff Goldblum and she <laughs> almost exited the movie. Oh, wow. And But then she decided that she was going to do it anyway. She ended up marrying Goldberg because of that movie. Like wow. a few months later, so yeah. it goes, goes to show you. That's hilarious. So you, you st- keeping your choice, Sam, or are you going to... Keeping my choice. All right. What about you, Joe? Um, we got uh, who was it? it? Was Goldberg and who were the other two? Billy Bob Thornton and the Gangbang. Ooh, I'm gonna marry Goldberg for sure, and then I guess I would uh, bang Billy Bob. And yeah, the <laughs> I I'm good with a gangbang of Santas. So uh, yeah, I'll kill all of them. All right. Um, I'm going to marry Bill Goldberg because he can protect me. Uh, I'm going to kill Billy Bob because he's a fucking loser. And I guess I'll go for the gangbang because, I mean, one of them's got to be good. You know, there's 120 something <laughs> of them. So. Uh, well, what if you have to get through 99 of them until you get to the best one? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> got to do what you got to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and for the men, she calls it Christmas Horror Edition. Uh, so you have Tony Collette from Krampus, who plays Sarah. You have Margot Kidder from the OG Black Christmas, who, who plays Barb. Oh. Or Rachel Nichols from P2, who plays Angela. Oh, man. Mm. These are all amazing ladies. They really are. They really are. Um, I am going to um, marry... Angela from P2 because you know she seems successful she has a good job she seems to have her stuff together so I you know she seems like good wifey material so I would I'd marry her and then I think I would um fuck Margot Kidder's character in Black Christmas um just because she's you know a beautiful beautiful woman um, and sadly I'll have to kill Tony Collette even though I think she's delightful and I love her um, I just like the other two options better there. What are you saying? Are you basing this off their characters, though, Joe? I am basing it off the characters, not off looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Should I be basing it off looks? No, I feel like you are basing it off. <laughs> well, I feel like Tony Collette's character was kind of like... She was like a tight ass in Krampus. Like, yeah, she was, like, annoying for a lot of the movie. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Not that serious. Yes, it is. (laughs) Fine. Um, Steve, go first. All right. Uh, Unlike Joe, I'm going to be honest with my answers here. Uh, (laughs) I'm marrying Rachel Nichols because she is fucking smoking hot. (laughs) I mean, she is. Um, Yeah, oh, yeah, Uh, for sure. That is, like, a no-brainer for me. I would marry. I'm sorry. I would fuck Tony Collette. There's just something about her I really like. I don't know what it is. It's uh, she she has like a certain look that I think is great. And I guess I'd kill Margot Kidder. Um, you know, I, I, well, I guess it's the character of Barb, but I never really identified with her too much. So I think I'd kill her off. This is tough, guys. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna marry Tony. I'm gonna sleep with Rachel, and then I guess I'm going to kill Margot, R.I.P. 
RIP. Um, yeah, so that's all the questions we had. Thank you for everyone for sending us the questions. We really, really appreciate it. And just so you know, uh, we just got word that Todd will not be joining us tonight, unfortunately. So uh, we do we did get a score for the review at the end, but uh, you know, to be honest with you guys, I think he's a little afraid he's going to lose his trivia streak. Exactly. Uh, there's only two weeks left, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is what it is, but we know, Todd, we know. So there you go. And now a word from our sponsor. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All righty. So, what have you guys been watching this week? You weren't watching anything, Sam? Well, okay. So, it's not horror. Well, it's real life horror, actually. I'm scared. Um, and I was thinking because I always listen and watch like crime stuff. And I was like, why don't I ever talk about the crime stuff that I watch? And so, I heard this story and I was like, I need to talk about this on the podcast. Okay, I'm not ready because I don't remember the girl's name. I'm kind of unprepared. Okay, yes, I do. All right. So my friend told me about this story because she heard it on a podcast. And so then I went to go do my research. And this was the story I found. Have you guys heard of the story about Mary Vincent? No. Sounds familiar, but I'm not 100% sure. Maybe when I talk about it, Steve, it'll it'll, uh, shake your brain to where you can remember. But... So it's a story back in the 70s, I think. This 15-year-old was trying to go to Vegas, and so she ended up hitchhiking. Um, She was by herself. She ends up getting picked up by a man in a car. She, it goes through and her, um, it goes through her experience and all these flags that she kind of ignored. And there were two other hitchhikers next to her and they noticed that this man only stopped for uh, Mary, which was the 15 year old. And they were like, hey, I don't know if you should go with that guy since you're like young and you're by yourself because he said, I only have room for her, the 15 year old. And so they were trying to help her and say, it's not a good idea, don't go. So anyways, um, she ends up falling asleep because she felt like this older man, um, She kind of found comfort in him and she said that he reminded her of her grandpa so she kind of felt safe to where she eventually uh, fell asleep she wakes up and she notices that they are on the wrong highway and so she tells him like hey you're on the wrong highway we need to be on the other one going the other way and so he's like all right well I'll turn around let me just pull over and go to the bathroom and then I'll get on the right highway and for some reason she just has like this feeling in her stomach that something is not right here and so she looks down at her shoes and she just has a quick thought of let me tie my shoes just in case I need to like escape and this all goes to shit So they pull over, he ends up stopping, she gets out, she bends down to tie her shoe, all of a sudden he completely like bashes her in the head with a sledgehammer. Um, Trigger warning if you're listening and sensitive to um, rape and all that stuff, he ends up tying her 
in the back of his car and he ends up raping her and assaulting her all night. So then the next day, she's just still begging for her life saying, let me go, please set me free. And so he goes, all right, I'll set you free. He ends up um, chopping off one of her arms with an ax. She is trying to grab onto him because she loses her balance and she doesn't know why she isn't grabbing onto him. Like she's wondering what's happening as her body's going into shock. So she looks down, he ends up chopping. He had already chopped off her other arm that she thought she still had. So he chopped both of her arms off um she goes into complete shock she's bleeding out he drags her and throws her off of a 30 foot cliff she ends up and she's like totally nude while all this is happening so he throws her off of the cliff she ends up breaking four of her ribs um and he drives off thinking that he's left her for dead so she somehow finds the grace of God to be able to climb this cliff naked, no arms, four broken ribs, bleeding to death. And she ends up finding a highway. And she knows that that's her only hope is if she finds a highway, that's her only chance of possibly surviving. She ran into the street. Unfortunately, the first car she ran into was two guys and they kind of like swerve out of the way and just kept driving. And she talks about how she understood that they kept driving because it did look like a horror movie and she's like completely bloody, no clothes, no arms. And then the next car behind them ends up stopping to help her. And it's a younger couple that was going to Vegas for their honeymoon. Um, so anyways, they end up finding the guy who did this to her, put him into prison. He only served 13 or 14 years. And then once he got out, he ended up killing someone else again. Um, I didn't research that one just yet. I was kind of saving it because once I went down the rabbit hole of Mary Vincent, it, it fucked my brain up. You guys, like I was like, uh, not, I don't want to say obsessed with it, but I just couldn't stop watching stuff about it. Um, but there's a show called um, I survived and her story was on one of those shows. But if you just search like Mary Vincent and YouTube and Google, you'll find um, all of the details and stuff. But I just thought that was insane. And I told Joe about that. And we were just like talking about like, if that was us, would we have been able to climb that cliff and survived like she did? Isn't that insane? Yeah, it's terrifying, yeah. Yeah. but also like quite a story of survival because I don't think I would have been able to, I think I would have just given up, honestly, like as sick as like, I, I don't, I mean, I think that when you're actually in the situation, maybe you would go into survival mode, but I feel like I would be feel so defeated at that point that I would probably just lay there and die. Yeah. You get, you get survivor's adrenaline though, and yeah. you can do things that are like almost awesome. inhuman. Yeah. Like cut your arm off with a pocket knife like that one dude did. Right. Or even like people have been found to have like superhuman strength in yeah. a survival situation. Like some people have lifted cars right. just because they want to get someone off it or themselves off it, which they could never do in regular circumstances. So it's a very interesting phenomenon. And yeah. That's a crazy story. Yeah, it's insane. It's one I'll never forget. Like when my friend was telling me about it, I had goosebumps and chills and I had never heard of um, this story before, but I was just amazed at her strength and will to survive. 
That's pretty crazy. All right. Uh, so I I'm think gonna... we should do like a Sam's True Crimes uh, session, like of yeah. the podcast, maybe once in a while, because I really enjoyed that. That that was really good, actually. Yeah, and what well told, like. Yeah. Very good. Uh, all right, so I'm going to bring the whole thing down now. So <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start bottoms up here with the. Uh, so I watched a movie over on Tubi, and it is a 2020 release called The Jonestown Haunting. Now, when I tell you that, what do you expect to want to see? You expect, like, you know, a haunting centered around the Jonestown murders, which is a horrible uh, event that actually happened in real life. The description yeah. of the movie over on IMDb is a survivor of the Jonestown massacre returns to the site 10 years later and discovers the cult's former home has become a breeding ground for the supernatural. And the poster is this really cool like tower of skulls with these crosses in it and almost like zombie hands coming out of them with a really ominous church in the background. So when I saw this, uh, I was like super psyched. You know, I think the Jonestown Massacre, it was, it's a very interesting thing that happened, very sad. And I hope something like that never happens again. Uh, but it's a, definitely a very interesting story. So when I saw this over on Tubi, I was very excited to see it and see what kind of cool hauntings they could do around the subject. This movie is nothing like advertised. Uh, when they say supernatural, there's one kind of ghost five minutes in, which is a just an actress with like a little bit of red under her eyes that kind of forewarns the main character. And then there is practically nothing else supernatural about this film. This entire movie is about this girl who was not even at the Jonestown massacre itself. She was just like in Papua New Guinea when it happened. Uh, and she just like, it's kind of like her personal remembrance of what Jim Jones was like and they use real audio from Jim Jones and some of his sermons as an actor kind of portrays him and it's just basically this girl dealing with her like her headspace around the Jonestown massacre without really showing anything ever nothing supernatural barely anything horror I mean this movie was boring it was terribly acted uh, the Jim Jones stuff that they used was really like, it's just basically crap sermons that you can get anywhere. Uh, nothing of the stuff they talked about like later with the suicides. There's this little twist where her, and spoiler alert for anyone who dared to watch this crap. Um, there's this like twist where her counselor is actually a secret agent who brainwashed her into forgetting the Jonestown massacre. And once she remembers everything, he goes to kill her. It's just like this whole fucking thing. This might be the worst movie I've seen maybe ever. It's the only movie since I joined the Horror Squad that I would rank a 1 out of 10. And I can't believe that Corona Zombies won't be my worst film of the year this year. I thought for sure it was a shoo-in the moment I saw it because it's such a cop-out film. But when push comes to shove, you know, at least that one was semi-entertaining at times. Uh, this one was just a total misleading crap, and I hate this movie. So this will probably be my worst movie of the year. Jumpstown hunting. What, what? What was happening in the movie, though? Like, it's just, it's just this girl that uh, kind of goes through her memories of meeting Jim Jones, and it goes like that's all it is. That's there's nothing else that happens. It's of the ghosts. 
ghost the ghost meeting no Jim. no 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 like literally him when she met him like 10 years prior before the before the massacre and they use some of his real sermons like it's her at the sermons essentially that's all she's just sitting in a church listening to jim jones so it's a terrible terrible film steve i think you need to watch uh, verotica before you say it's your uh, yeah, worst of the year it's, it's on my <laughs> it's on my <laughs> list so that's a dancing one right um it's uh the movie uh, it, yeah far and away my worst of the year i think i don't think there's anything worse and i really i really i really want someone else to uh on the podcast to uh go through the pain that i endured okay watch, watch this one in exchange and i'll watch <laughs> okay <laughs> i i really want to make that deal but <laughs> you know you don't have um, to I, I don't want anyone to go through this uh, and also in some exciting news, I had thought I lost my shining coffee mug and it was actually here where I record from last week. So I'm very excited to report that, um, Sam. <laughs> you excited to what? To report that, that I found my shining coffee oh, mug. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> All week I've been like, where the hell is my shining coffee mug? And here it was in here the whole time, folks. Uh, yeah, okay. I thought I did something with it. I was like, I didn't your <laughs> damn mug. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, all right. So my next one, uh, my first one tonight uh, is a 2011 release called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Um, this is a horror short, uh, 30 minutes long. You can watch it on YouTube um, completely for free. Uh, what makes this one so special is, and one of the main reasons I watched it, is because it is our Oster's very first um, movie he ever did. Uh, so I wanted to go back and kind of see what you know Ari Oster did uh, at the beginning of his career. Of course, for you people who may not know who Ari Oster is, if you're blooming under a rock maybe the past few years, uh, he did Hereditary and Midsummer, two of the more popular or I guess polarizing might be more of the word to say with his movies. Um, but I definitely wanted to go and check out and see, you know, what he did, where he came from, kind of like what if his style has remained the same. Uh, so uh, this one is a doozy, folks. Uh, so the strange thing about the Johnsons, uh, it's definitely in the same vein um, of a horror drama, which he definitely loves doing, clearly, with Hereditary and Midsummer. Uh, this stays definitely in the same, uh, you know, idea. Um, this one is about a, uh, you know, a family uh, who... So let me just start off with the opening scene here. Uh, this The movie opens with, uh, you know, a adolescent boy, uh, you know, masturbating in his bedroom and the father walks in on him, uh, awkwardly kind of sits down on the bed, uh, you know, talks to his son, just telling him, you know, this is kind of like a normal thing, you know, and it's not a big deal and it's nothing to be ashamed of and blah, blah, blah. Um, the father leaves the room and what we see is the boy uh, with the picture he was holding and he was masturbating to a picture of his father. Um, and it spirals from there. Um, this movie takes some wild, wild turns. Um, you know, we flash forward to the son grown up now, uh, getting married, but still um, basically molesting his father. 
Um, so the roles are completely reversed here, obviously, you know, um, from what we are accustomed to as a society. Um, and it's very interesting. And it does take some even darker turns from there and some crazy stuff. Um, if you're a fan of Ari Oster, uh, I think this is definitely uh, a good watch. It's very interesting. It plays very well on the family horror dramas that he has, I think, perfected. So uh, I would definitely recommend check checking it out. It's definitely interesting. It's definitely weird, but definitely worth a watch. And it's 30 minutes. So you can watch it for free on YouTube. He's masturbating to a photo of his dad. Of his own dad, yes. And then um, we, throughout the movie, see him molesting uh, his dad. He based, you know, it's, you know, obviously you're used to um, society, uh, in so mainly in society, the father molesting the child. This completely reverses that role with the child molesting the father throughout, um, you know, his life and his upbringing. Um, and it's very interesting and pretty pretty good so I, I would recommend checking it out mm, yeah i don't know about that <laughs> we'll, we'll <see. laughs> not, not, not a subject matter i really want to it's it's but, a touchy subject matter for yeah. sure but um you know it's handled completely seriously and handled um you know in it's, not, very, it's, not, it's not gratuitous it's yeah yeah no 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 it's not yeah it's nothing like crazy it's it's Definitely a bizarre movie, but, uh, you know, if you're an Oster fan, definitely recommend it. Well, he is one of the best directors out there, for sure. Yeah. Um, Sam, did you have anything else that you had seen? Or? Uh, I don't think so. Do I, Joe? I don't believe so. Um, no, I don't think so. It was kind of a slow week. We didn't watch much. All right. Uh, so my next one is actually something I think Joe will also have stuff to say about. So probably a joint uh, watch here. I was really in the mood to watch something with ghosts in it. I don't know why. I feel that there haven't been like great ghost films lately. So I figured let's jump in into something random. And I personally never heard of this one. Joe had. He had heard good things about it. And that's 2020's Don't Listen, which is a Spanish film that released in November. And you can find over on Netflix, if I remember correctly. So in this film, um, this like mother, father, and son are moving into a new house that they're renovating. And uh, they start like getting weird behavior from the son because he says that he hears voices, uh, particularly his dad, he says is talking to him, uh, which is weird because his dad is not actually talking to him. And, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff like happens and all of a sudden the boy commits suicide and it cuts to sometime later and uh, the father and mother are kind of separating for a little bit but are still kind of in love uh, as he has to finish uh, renovating the house so they can kind of hopefully sell it and uh, make their money back because all their money is into this house that they're flipping um, but then the dad starts getting some paranormal activity on his own so he goes after uh, this uh, author who knows all about EVPs which is electronic voice phenomenon and asked him to come over because there are hauntings in his house and particularly he heard his son talk who is of course uh, dead and then this whole thing happens and there's a bunch of twists and turns throughout the story which culminates in a very intense uh, ending that I think is actually really good so 
like I said, I went in this movie not knowing what to expect, and I absolutely adored this film. Uh, it's really, it's actually really scary. There's some good ghost scares. There are both jump scares and uh, kind of slow burn scares, which I, I prefer the slow burn scares, but there are some good jump ones in there as well. Uh, it's very like well shot, well acted. Um, and I was interested throughout the whole thing to find out kind of what was happening. Uh, and then there's kind of this kind of twist at the end and it kind of in the last 30, 20, 30 minutes, it really kind of shapes into something else, which I really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I would highly recommend this film. It's possibly going to be on my top 10. Uh, depends what I watch in the next three weeks, but uh, definitely one that you shouldn't sleep on. So, uh, you know, don't listen. Uh, Joe, what do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, I had this on my list as well, so I, I'll talk about it as well. Um, yeah, so I heard a lot of buzz about this one, So, and then I Steve mentioned that uh, he was checking it out and said it was pretty good so far, so I decided to you know, piggyback off him and watch it as well, and uh, I ended up really enjoying this one for the most part. Uh, it is a great, you know, just basic ghost story. Um, I would describe it as if the conjuring and white noise had a baby this is exactly what it would be um yeah i mean and i enjoyed white noise but i think this is like the version of white noise more that i wanted than white noise actually was um there are some genuinely very scary moments in this movie um and one of i think the best scares of the entire year for me is in this movie as well where i kept like smiling being like oh no oh no like you know i kept like waiting for the the big scare you know as it kept like you know building and building and it was really really effective and i i really really enjoyed that part oh is it um, the red scare the what the that was a good one too for me it was the bed scare the bed scare yeah okay yeah that's yeah, yeah, a good one the bed, the bed scare which was i thought was great uh one of my favorites um there's some witches in this movie which it put it right in my wheelhouse as well um i will say i mean it's definitely not perfect i had some issues with the third act i felt like it um started to lose a little bit of its steam in the third act where it started becoming a little more uh formulaic um However, I still think it's a very good horror movie, and I definitely recommend it. Um, it may make my top 10. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to sit down and, and look at my list, but it's de it's definitely up there. Um, very good. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I think it's just like a good scare uh, movie for like uh, just to show even like people who aren't maybe like hardcore horror fans, but I think it's a good one to... Uh, you know, I, I guess like a, a sleepover movie, I guess, or something like that is like the best way to describe it. Uh, just a good one to kind of like uh, watch with like a big group and like all get scared together, or even by yourself, scare the hell out of yourself. Cause I actually like was like scared by my watching it by myself a couple times. Like, uh, so yeah, I, I think Sam, I, I definitely think Sam uh, should watch this one. I think you would really get scared by this one, Sam. Not by myself. <laughs> you got to i watch i'd rewatch it with you i i uh i i enjoyed it I, it's definitely worth a rewatch. yeah um i'm gonna talk about one more just really quickly before we talk about hunter hunter which is kind of our semi review that we're doing because of the interview at the end of the episode uh i just want to really mention quickly that i watched 2020's leap of faith 
which is the documentary about uh, William Friedkin's experience on The Exorcist. Uh, the Exorcist is one of my very rare Perfect Ten movies. I absolutely adore it. I would maybe say it's my second favorite horror film after Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's just one that marked me when I was a kid and I've seen probably a good like 50 times in my life. So I'm very familiar with it. Uh, you know, there's even another podcast that had uh, seek me out just to talk about <laughs> this movie um, because I love it so much and know so much about it. But despite having knowing so much about this film and having seen, I've seen probably three or four documentaries about The Exorcist in the past, uh, this one revealed things I'd never heard of before. Uh, William Friedkin goes through some things that I don't think he had ever talked about in interviews or in past documentaries. Uh, some very interesting information about uh, how the movie was made, how it was conceived, uh, some really interesting stuff about the score that I totally didn't know. And it was very, very interesting. Now, I will say, if you're a casual fan, I don't know if this is for you. Um, it's It came off very film schooly. Like, people who are really interested in film would adore this documentary, whereas people who are just looking for information about The Exorcist might be a little disappointed because it goes into a lot of detail about the thinking about certain scenes, how it was shot, how it was conceived, why he did uh, certain things. And it's very detailed about the filmmaking aspect of what he was going through making The Exorcist. So in that regard, I think it, if you're really a big fan of The Exorcist or if you're really into film and filmmaking and uh, what goes behind the psychology of a film. I think it's for you if you're more of a casual fan and you're just looking for juicy details, uh, which The Exorcist has a lot of because, I mean, William Freakin is kind of a psycho. <laughs> um, he punched a priest uh, to get a better uh, reaction out of him. He loosened the harness on uh, Linda Blair's like um, back like contraption when she was going up and down. So that- it's really fucked with her. Oh that yeah, like, that like injured her. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. Because he wanted a more guttural reaction from her, so he was like really fucked up. But he doesn't really go into much of that because obviously it's his documentary, so yeah. he doesn't want to talk about the. He does talk about punching the priest, um, but that's the other stuff he doesn't talk about. So if that's what you want, I would say check out the special features of The Exorcist if you have it on Blu-ray or on DVD. But if you're into the mind stuff and the like, you know, the movie stuff then I would go to this documentary. I, I highly recommend it. I went to film school, so I loved this kind of stuff, but just a warning for those who want to check it out. It's over on Shudder. Uh, yeah, Sam and I actually started it, but we both fell asleep. Not to say it was boring or anything, but we were both just kind of tired when we put it on, but I was really uh, enjoying it. Uh, about maybe a half hour in, so I'm going to watch the rest of it for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, a little different. Uh, it's not your typical documentary. I feel like it's basically just a one-on-one -on -one sit down for the most part, but like without a narrator or anything, I think it could have did better with some narration or something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to continue on with it for sure. Yeah. Um, I agree with Joe and Steve, although I haven't finished the whole thing, but, um, when I woke up, I was telling Joe, 
I was like, hey, we need to rewatch that because they they went over so much stuff that I didn't even know. I just thought it was like a movie that they did. I didn't know almost every little, there was so much detail put into it. So I'm excited to finish watching it. I also think we're due for a rewatch of The Exorcist too because it's been a little bit. I feel like we just watched it though, Joe. Did we? Yes. Like beginning to end? Yes. When? I don't know, like before you got your tattoo, because you're like, I want to watch it before I get my tattoo. <laughs> Maybe. I have a bad memory, so it's possible. Um, okay, yeah, let's get into Hunter Hunter. Uh, Steve, you want a synopsize? Sure. So um, let me just pull it up here on IMDb so I can get kind of a quick refresh. Uh, yeah, so uh, a man and a woman live with their daughter over in the deep woods of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and uh, they don't have a lot of money, they can't afford a lot of stuff, so they kind of live off the grid and stuff like that and are relying more on uh, hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff to survive, and Devin Sawa plays the uh, male kind of dad and uh, was it Camille Sullivan that plays uh, the mom? Or yes, yeah. yeah. Camille Sullivan plays the mom. And they're dealing with this issue where there's wolves in the area that are attacking um, like their stuff. And they're kind of worried about the wolves because it's attacked them in the past. So the dad, being concerned about it, goes hunting for the wolf. And while he's hunting for the wolf, he sees that there are some dead bodies that he finds. Uh, but it doesn't look like what it appears because they're tied up. So there's something kind of fishy going on. Uh, meanwhile, the mom and the daughter actually find the wolf and a bunch of stuff happens there. And then the movie takes a dramatic turn from basically a wolf -ish issue to something completely different. And I, I don't want to spoil it because the movie like comes out, I think, the day this uh, podcast release. But I will say this, it's a bit of a slow burn for the first like hour and 10 minutes or whatever. But the last 20, 25 minutes of this movie is so fucking good that from that alone, it might be in my top five. It will at least be in my top 10. And I would categorize this movie as really, really fucking good. And I didn't see it coming at all because I was kind of bored. Joe is the one who watched it first. I should mention we got it as a screener. It's not on any of the services yet. And he, like, I actually refuse to watch this, <laughs> like, because I have issues with Devin Sawa as, as a person. But uh, Joe convinced me that I should watch this, especially since we had an interview. And I did. And I'm super happy I did because this movie is fucking fantastic. And a lot of it is because of what happens in those last 20 minutes. I think uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I gotta say, man, we we've got we've really hit the goldmine with screeners this year. Um, because years past screeners have been just terrible, but we've been getting great screeners this year. Um, and this one is definitely added to that list. Uh yeah, I, I could not agree with everything Steve said more. Um, this movie starts off as a very slow burn. However, like I was never uh, bored. Like I, it kept me interested enough to keep chugging along to see where it was going. Um, you know, you do get one little hint at one point in the movie where it could possibly be going. 
Um, and then when it finally gets there in this last in this third act, the climax of the movie, the, these last twenty minutes are, are probably like maybe my favorite twenty minutes uh, in movie of the entire year. Um, it just goes completely crazy um, in all the right ways and ends with the most memorable scene of the entire year for me. And I think for probably a lot of people after you get done watching it, um, it is completely unforgettable. Uh, it will be burned in my mind for uh, a long time. And I think it will be kind of an iconic scene for um, a lot of horror fans. Uh, and I would say the less, you know, going in, definitely the better, uh, fantastic movie. It is, without a doubt going to be in my top 10 um possibly even top five like said like steve said maybe for those last 20 minutes um why it might not make my top five is because it does take a little bit to get there um but regardless still a fantastic movie and i uh, i highly recommend it i would say it's it's even worth you know the like uh the price of uh you know getting it right away when it comes on demand or whatever like that rather than waiting for it to hit um, you know, a free service. So yeah, I would, I would definitely check it out. Yeah. It, like after an hour, I was ready to text Joe, like, is this even horror? <laughs> like, I don't even like it, it's, it's, it's a good movie, but I don't know if I categorize it as horror, but holy shit. Yeah. It's fucking horror. <laughs> like it, it really takes that turn in uh, the last third of the movie. And uh, yeah, man, I, it's, it's great. And the interview. So uh, this is the first interview since we became the horror squad that I couldn't be on. Uh, unfortunately, I had a really important meeting at work, uh, but Joe absolutely killed it. I edited the inter interview already, so check it out at the end of the episode. A lot of really interesting information, including, uh, if you watch the film, a really cool tidbit about that last scene that uh, I thought was really interesting. So definitely check it out at the end of the episode. Yeah, and I actually think this might have been the first time I flew solo on an interview since the first time I ever did an interview um, podcasting, which was with uh, Mark Corvin, who uh, composed The Witch. So, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> that was good. You're, you're, you're the master at this, so it's a, oh, yeah. definitely a good interview. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, I, uh, I, I, I definitely want to rewatch this with because I, I definitely want to see what her reaction would be to this. And she loves Devin Sawa, so. Oh, me? You want to see my reaction? Yes. Okay, well, let's not say I love Devin Sawa because Steve's saying that he doesn't like him as a person, so I'm going to have to do my research, and then I will get back. Well, you love Devin Sawa as an actor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good actor. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good actor. I'll, I'll give him that. But Camille Sullivan, fucking... Oh, my God. She steals the show in this movie. Maybe, maybe we, the we best talked... performance of the year. Yeah, I would agree. And we talked about her a bit on uh, the interview as well. But, um, yeah, she was maybe my favorite performance of the whole year. And the, um, the little girl is really... Well, I shouldn't say little because she's probably like a teenager or whatever. Um, but she's very good in this movie as well. Uh, her and other um this movie uh you know Devin's in there but he does disappear for a long period of the movie um so I would say it's definitely the the mother and the daughter that uh you know really uh carry this movie the whole way through and the daughter um was also in Curse and Cult of Chucky she played the the little girl 
uh, in uh, those two movies. So uh, familiar face for some horror fans. Yeah, so definitely something you guys should seek out and watch. Yeah, no, definitely. It's not one I think that a lot of people are going to be talking about per se. I mean, obviously the people who do seek it out and see it, but I don't think it's going to be one that, you know, highly um, is, you know, going to be like highly marketed or anything like that. So it's going to be something definitely um, we need uh, kind of the grassroots campaign of people kind of getting there and, and seeing it uh, the old fashioned way just by word of mouth and stuff like that. And uh, I think this is definitely a movie that deserves a, a lot of attention and I, I hope it, I hope it does. All right. Are you guys ready for some horror news? Absolutely. All right. It's been a little bit, so I have some uh, quite a bit of news here, but I'll try to, uh, you know, rush through it as much as I can, but I definitely want to get your take on some of this. Um, one of the biggest stories that has come out um since the last time i did horror news is the toxic avenger is going to be getting a reboot um trauma of course from trauma studios uh has uh kind of given the rights over to legendary uh pictures so it is not going to be a true trauma movie which could be a good thing could be a bad thing uh you know, considering what kind of toxic movie you're looking for here. Um, but the big news about this is that Peter Dinklage, of all people, of course, Tyrion, most uh, famously from Game of Thrones, uh, is in talks to star in the Toxic Avenger. Um, I, I just, I think that's like a crazy get for a Toxic Avenger movie. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Like as the villain or as Toxie? Um, that has not been confirmed one way or the other. Obviously, there are rumors out there. Some people think he could be playing Melvin. Some people think he could be like a uh, like a main villain of Toxie. We don't really know for sure, but he is going to be starring, so he's definitely going to have some sort of major role in this. I fucking love Peter Dinklage, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. just that alone is is good news. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to see him necessarily as Melvin, but I think he could make a really cool villain. Yeah, no, totally. I, I just love that, like, uh, A-list star like Peter Dinklage is going to star in a Toxic Avenger movie. I think that is amazing. I just, I guess I never really, like, I mean, I knew Toxic Avenger was popular, but I never thought it had that much popularity that it could pull someone like that for a for a movie so i think that's great and uh i think that's also like a great uh story for lloyd kaufman in and of itself like a, a guy that's really scrapped his way through uh his career doing these little movies and potentially getting a like massive uh hollywood release of the toxic avenger um yeah i'm, I'm really happy for him for that uh, all right, next bit of news here is um, some Hellraiser news as Clive Barker has officially gained back the U.S. rights to Hellraiser after a very long uh, legal battle in court. Um, this obviously great news for Hellraiser fans that have been uh, looking for the uh, Hellraiser franchise to write uh, the ship, basically, that has been very very rocky over the past couple of decades um but uh, uh hopefully with uh you know the rights back in the right hands of mr clive barker we will um 
hopefully right the ship on Hellraiser. I mean, I, I, I know I'm a fan of the Hellraiser franchise. Are, are you guys fans of the franchise? I'm sure. Yeah, that's, that's actually the same answer for me. Like, yes and no. Like, yes, yeah. I, I do enjoy them, but I'm not, like, excited for a new Hellraiser, you know? Yeah, the franchise, no. The first few, yes. All right, all right. Well, we shall see. Um, you know, great news. Obviously, HBO currently in um, development on a Hellraiser TV series, which I think is like the perfect network to bring uh, a Hellraiser series some justice. Uh, you know, everything HBO touches is usually pretty damn good. So uh, fingers crossed for that one. All right, next bit of news. Uh, for you people looking for a great Christmas gift for the family. Um, it has just been announced that Unearth Films will be bringing a Serbian film to Blu-ray, uncut, uncensored, in beautiful 4K. Yes. Um, so so um, there's going to be a ton of Blu-ray and DVD bonus features in this including q a's with uh, the actors the directors even a short documentary um about the movie um you will be able to uh pick up this blu-ray dvd release a little after christmas so maybe a little after christmas treat for the family on january 19th 2021 um steve have you ever seen a Serbian film once and okay. that is enough <laughs> so, <laughs> and i saw the un- unrated so i you know, I'm not happy that I saw it, but like, I'm happy it's off my bucket, like my list of things I've seen. I can talk about it, but I don't have to ever, ever see it again, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. I remember I showed it to Sam for the first time uh, a couple years ago, I think it was. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't as shocked as I thought she would be, I guess. Maybe I talked it up a little too much. I don't did, know. Did you know, Sam, about the, well, you know? the thing? was joe i don't know if you remember is like i was really nervous to watch it and i was scared to watch it because i was like this will because when traumatic things get in my brain i don't let them go for a really long time i'll think about it every second of every day for like the next few weeks um so i was really nervous but i like i went on reddit to just kind of look at some of the things that were gonna happen so already in my mind, I knew like the worst scene that everyone talks about. And then I just kept remembering like it was a movie, like it's just acting, it's just props. And so I didn't get the shock value of it because I like ruined that, not ruined it, but you know what I mean? Like I, I, I jumped ahead to see what it was going to be. So do you think this is like a, a movie that should do you think these are movies that should be made or do you think it's just pure like trash cinema and like stuff that is just needless or do you think there is some sort of importance to making movies like this what's the importance i mean it's art right in in someone's mind yeah so i will say a serbian film isn't like as gratuitous as people would think like i think there's actually a movie in there uh, right. It's not something that was done just for shock factor, I think. Now, of course, that scene uh, in particular that I'm sure you know what I'm talking about was probably put in there for shock factor, but the overall film isn't such a let's just do this for the sake of doing this. Like there's actually something to it. So I don't think in this particular case, it's like I think there is a place for a movie like this, 
but there are some movies that are just shock for shock's value and those i think we don't really need in our lives right and i i want to bring this up because i think it's an interesting um kind of debate to have um because i did see um some people debating this uh in some of the horror forums um what do you say to people that say if you watch this movie or support it um you condone you know things such as you know pedophilia and rape and whatnot um do you think that is a strong accusation or a fair accusation i don't think it's a fair accusation maybe because um i don't know like fucking get your kids off of tiktok like stop <laughs> like stop putting photos of your kids topless and in the bathtub on social media like that's worse than me watching a movie about this does that make sense yeah no i I mean absolutely i I think at the end of the day for me it's it's a movie right like it's it's not something that's meant to be taking um you know at face value um you know it's meant to shock and maybe entertain for this movie is the wrong thing, but at the same time, it is, a you know, it is meant for entertainment purposes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think watching this movie and enjoying it at some level makes you a sicko or a pervert in any way. I mean, I think it opens, if I, I don't, if you're already watching it, I feel like you know that there's fucked up shit that does happen like this, but maybe someone doesn't get how fucked up stuff can be i don't know maybe it opens their eyes i'm not really sure yeah i have some thoughts i don't know if i should say (laughs) um i i'm trying to word this in a way that would i guess it depends why you're watching these types of movies you know like uh, from what place are you watching are you watching it just because you heard that there's this particular scene in it or are you watching it as a horror fan no one wanting to know okay like people are talking about it as the craziest horror movie ever which people always bring up a Serbian film uh, as yep. one of the grossest movies ever so that part of the curiosity is what brought you to it as opposed to saying uh you know i heard there's just one scene in it so i want to watch it just because I, that scene's in it that's kind of a different place so yeah yeah i guess it depends at, from what angle you're tackling watching movies like this uh, I yeah. do believe there are some sickos that probably watch it because just because they heard about certain scenes. And that is where I would be like, eh, this kid, you know, you're, I'd, I'd criminally profile people like that because I think there could be a much deeper issue that can turn something way worse. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, fair. I will say, like, me personally, I sought out like this movie um, and movies similar to it because I got. I guess like I would say I got desensitized to the genre where like everything was just like so you know I'd started getting bored with the genre um and I went just through a phase where I tried finding the sickest you know just most graphic movies I could like possibly find through like forums or just people talking about it so you know I watched you know Salo uh aka the 120 days of Sodom and Serbian film and August Underground and just all those just you know raunch disgusting movies like back to back to back which probably wasn't the best thing for my brain at the time but um you know i mean that's why i I went searching for and i'm sure that's why most people do go searching for movies like this um but yeah have you ever seen solo steve have you seen that one i did do they go searching for them 
Joe or do I don't I think it's like a thing of where it gets talked about like where I heard you talk about it and I was like curious but I'm not gonna go fucking look on the fucking psycho part of the internet for the most fucked up movie to you don't need to go on the psycho part of the internet there are horror forums obviously where people are you know certain like you know out there looking for like these you know like just really grimy dirty movies that you know are a little different than your normal bubblegum horror movies i guess you could say so yeah no i think i mean i think it's interesting it's an interesting conversation to have for sure and no i, I like uh all the answers you guys had yeah, uh, so i guess let's no, go for it yeah i was just gonna say like even last week's episode i talked about uh, the mountain kings which i watched just because people had told me it was one of the craziest movies ever uh which i had seen in a discussion in your group joe uh so like even to this day if someone tells me there's something if anyone tells me there's the most of something, I'll get curious, you know? Yeah. Uh, the grossest film, the craziest film, the uh, scariest film, you know, whatever it is, the funniest film, whatever it is, if people are telling me this is among the top five of something, my you're going to pique my curiosity. Sure. Um, now, The Mountain Kings, I wouldn't say in any regard, is like the craziest film I've seen. Uh, but... Yeah, so and, and that's the way I approach movies like this. And that's why I watch stuff like this and Solo and Human Centipede and August Underground, Faces of Death, all that kind of like extreme stuff because it, I, I'm just curious. I just want to know, is this really as crazy as people say or is this all hype? Which does happen yep. a lot, you know, with scariest especially. Like we, oh, yeah. we hear it all the time. Oh, they show shots of the audience freaking out or whatever the case may be. And it's almost never scary or as scary as they say so yeah definitely Uh, all right well let's go to another massive story um we may have talked about this a little on the podcast before but i don't think we really went too deep into it um in what is probably the biggest news story to come out maybe of the entire year um warner brothers pictures has announced that they are going to be releasing um, their entire 2020 or 2021 now uh, catalog entirely online uh, exclusively to HBO Max uh, the same day as it would release in theaters. Uh, so some of the films of note include Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, Suicide Squad, uh, Malignant, Dune, and The Matrix 4. Um, I mean, obviously I think this is massive news that could completely shake the entire industry, um, as we know it. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Is this like the start of the death of movie theaters? I mean, it seems like it, but I don't know. Um, the first thing I'm going to say about this is I'm really pissed off about it. Like really on a personal level, really angry angry about this whole thing. Oh, Okay. And I'll tell you why. And this is uh, more of a me problem than other than you problem. So we don't get HBO Max in Canada. Oh, no. <laughs> and theaters are not open in Canada. So these movies are going to come out. And only Americans are going to see these movies. And the reason I go see movies in theaters often is because I don't want to get hear the spoilers. Because people will spoil shit like three days after it's out. So since I have zero way of seeing these movies, um, unless I like rip it, which I can't be for reasons, um, 
I'm going to get spoiled. So all these movies, I'm not going to be able to enjoy until they're out on Blu-ray. And that just, it sucks, you know? Um, now that's a Canadian problem with like rights issues and stuff like that. In theory, I like this because I like the fact that I can watch things from home. Like I've said it before, I will pay fucking 40 bucks or 30 bucks to watch something from home on, you know, VOD. Uh, I pay more for that in the theater for two people, uh, you know, because, what, you know, you add popcorn, maybe you want to drink, the, you're like fucking movies alone are like here anyway, they're like 16 bucks. Um, and if, if, you, if you want the fancy room, it's like 18 bucks. And if you want 3D, it's 20 bucks. You know, it's just like, it adds up quick. So I like it in theory. I just wish that they thought it out better before launching it. Sam, any thoughts on this one? Well, now I'm pissed for you. <laughs> um, no thoughts, really. Okay. Do you think it's the death of movie theaters, though, Steve? No. Um, because, so Disney had like a fucking monster showcase in the last week. And I think the way they're doing it is better. Uh, they have a ton of stuff for their service, but they're still releasing their big ones in theaters. But the gap between theaters and their service is just going to be shorter. So you have it in the movies for like a month and maybe a month and a half, and then it immediately goes to their service. And I think that would be better because I think some movies just deserve the theater experience. Um, and I'd like to see theater survive, but at the same time, I wouldn't like necessarily cry over it if I could also watch it VOD. But uh, I think theaters will be back once this stupid virus goes away. Um, I think it's just, it's like, it's an outing, right? It's an experience. And I, I miss the, the experience, you know, it gave me something to go out for and do stuff. And I don't think theaters will die. I think it'll take time to get back to where it was. Maybe it'll never be back at the way it was in like 2019 when we were breaking records on some movies, but I think the theaters experience will survive. All righty. All right, uh, next bit of news here is um, our good friends uh, of Radio Silence, uh, also known uh, as the trio of Tyler Gillette, Matt Bettinelli Open, and Chad Valela, who uh, we had on the show uh, on our Ready or Not interview that you can listen to. Um, they, of course, are going to be doing the new Scream movie, but uh, they have just signed on to tackle their next horror movie after Scream releases. Um, and we got a little bit of info on that. Um, they are going to be directing another horror movie titled Reunion. Um, Reunion um, is categorized as a high school horror movie. And in Reunion, the horrific experience of high school reunions is taking to a new extreme when a group of uninspired old friends becomes the only hope for survival against an unwelcome shape-shifting creature. Uh, that is all the information we have right now, but uh, very excited uh, to see that. And, uh, you know, loved Ready or Not, really excited for Scream. And uh, these guys could be uh, the next big thing in horror. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited for them and uh, hoping, fingers crossed, we can get them back on again when Scream releases. We shall see. But uh, Creature Feature, I think, is right up their alley. So really excited to see uh, that when it releases. Alrighty, next bit of news here is, are you guys ready for uh, another crack at Van Helsing? Because... Nope. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> I assume you weren't a big fan of the uh, old... the uh, Wait, who, 
Who starred in it? Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Yes, the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing. It's fine. <laughs> you know, like it's a story that's been done so many times at this point in various incarnations throughout Dracula movies and Van Helsing movies. There's even fucking video games about Van Helsing. Like, there's other stuff people can do. Okay, but what if I told you they're making a new Van Helsing with James Wan producing and the director of Overlord, Julius Avery, taking over the role? Would that excite you a little more? A little more because I like both those. <laughs> I like James Wan and I, <laughs> I really like Overlord. So, okay. Well, well yeah. So it is uh, officially been announced. Uh, James Wan has come on as producer and uh, Julia, uh, Julius Avery will be directing. Uh, nothing else really currently. Um, it will be released um, via Universal uh, Studios, of course, who do own the rights to all the Universal monsters that Van Helsing fights. Uh, in the movies but we will definitely keep you guys updated on that um i think that is a great combo um for a movie like this um so i think we're due for like another really good van helsing movie it's, it's been a long time the huge jackman one i thought was was quite terrible honestly um so uh, i'm ready for a new one with some uh hopefully some cool universal monsters coming back and we got of course the uh lee Wanell now universal monster universe uh, after invisible man and he's going to be tackling the wolfman next so uh hopefully the universal monsters are being revived and uh we get some more of them because it's been it's been a while since we've gotten some good universal monster stuff so i'm excited for that Alrighty, uh, next bit of news here is, I'm sure you um, guys have talked about this on uh, your video game podcast, Steve, but if not, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Evil Dead video game that has just been announced. Yeah, so we haven't talked about it yet, but it will be featured in our next episode. So if you want to listen to what we think about it, uh, that's me, Todd, and Jedi Mind twelve oh seven Mondo. Uh, so it's a really it's a game by Saber Interactive. It's a co op PvP game set in the Evil Dead universe. It's very similar to the Friday the Thirteenth game that some people might have played. Uh, it's out on most consoles, and uh, we definitely get into it. So just check us out on Let's XP Gaming Podcast which you could also find on all podcast services. But uh, I'll save my thoughts for there, but that's kind of the synopsis of what this whole thing is. All right, awesome. I've only actually played one Evil Dead video game in my entire life, and I absolutely fucking loved it. Um, it was Evil Dead uh, 2, I think it was called Dead by Dawn, and I believe it was for PlayStation 2, and it was just an amazing game. I don't know if you ever played it or not, Steve, but... Uh, yeah so I played it but my best memory of that is I lived in an apartment with two other guys uh, when I first moved out of my parents house and one time I was coming home it was like two in the morning with one of the roommates and the other one was home and from when we got out of like taxi or whatever we came home in uh, we could hear this like chainsaw going off like super loud at two in the morning in an apartment complex. So we're like, what the fuck is going on? That's weird. So as we get closer to our door, we open the door. It's my other roommate playing that game on his fucking computer. <laughs> it was the loudest video game I've ever heard in my life. And I'll never forget that moment. It was like, dude. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's my memory of that game. But it was a really cool game, for sure. Nice. Yeah, no, it was really fun. It's been forever since I played, but I'm, I'm excited for this one, definitely. 
So uh, we'll keep you guys updated on that for as far as releases and all that. But uh, I would say if you're definitely into horror video gaming, you're definitely going to want to listen to uh, Stephen Todd's and Mondo's uh, new video game podcast. There, what are you guys on episode three now? Uh, this will be four. This next one that comes out. Four, awesome. So definitely uh, go and check that out, guys. Find it wherever you, you podcast. If you do check it out, tell them that uh, Joe and Sam sent you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, all right, Sam, this one's for you. I want to hear all your thoughts on this. Yeah. As Disney has officially confirmed Hocus Pocus Part 2. Yes, it will be um, on the Disney Plus streaming service, so it doesn't sound like it will be getting a theater release, but, you know, I'm sure it will be great still on the Disney Plus. Um, so they are billing this as the spooky sequel to the 1993 classic suggesting that it is a continuation rather than any sort of reboot or remake. Uh, still no confirmation um, on Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, or Kathy Jimmy returning as the Sanderson sisters, but all three, of course, have um, repeatedly expressed interest about returning, um, and I would say it's probably going to happen. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think, Sam? Hocus Pocus 2, are you excited? Um, did they say when they want to release it? Like, um, no, no information about that, but just that it is 100% definitely going to happen. Disney uh, announced it during their shareholders meeting or whatever it was just uh, a week about a week ago. I hope they film in Salem sometime, some spots for it. Uh, I would think they would have to. I mean, I would, I would sure hope so, or else it won't. I just feel like it wouldn't be the same. It, I won't have the same charm to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get my panties in a bunch <laughs> or tighten up my butthole just yet until later on. But that's, that's all I'll say for now. Okay. Steve, what about from a more, I guess, casual, someone who saw it later in life? Uh, well, first, uh, it is confirmed that everyone's returning. It um, is. Okay. Yeah, so the cast did like a reunion special. I think it was on Halloween or the like the friday before halloween or whatever it was and on that show they confirmed that they were all involved in hocus pocus okay um, like max and allison and danny or just the sanderson sisters uh the sanderson sisters for sure i know doug jones is also for sure oh, and nice. i'm assuming that the rest are also going to follow okay well who, who would be your most like i guess wanted character back sam if not the sanderson sisters fucking max max okay he's like the he's the be all end all for you yeah okay okay all so right better, so they better call him start the contract now reach out to his agent l l let's be honest of all the people in that movie he's the one who probably <laughs> needs the work the most yeah. so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too worried about him <laughs> um yeah no I, as a like small i mean casual fan i, I have a whole room <laughs> dedicated to hocus pocus now okay. in my house uh one of the bedrooms is like fully hocus pocus um yeah i'm super excited about it you know it's uh it's one of those things that i don't think it really needed a sequel but seeing yeah. what disney is doing with their disney plus shows so far um it, I'm, I'm very impressed by what they're doing they're not pulling punches and even um Bob Iger specifically said Disney plus series don't mean less quality because it's TV. It just means uh, same budget, same 
attention to detail, but longer as opposed to a movie, which is a shorter form of expression. So I'm excited. I think it'll be great. Oh, I'm excited too then. All right. Well, we'll definitely keep you guys updated on that. Um, next bit of news here is Neil Blomkamp, Camp, if I can say that right. Um, most famously, uh, who did District 9 uh, in Elysium. Uh, I love District 9. Are you, you guys fans of that one? Loved it. Yes. Yes, District Nine, oh, awesome. It creeps me out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic movie, and the aliens looked awesome in it. Um, well, it has just been announced that he shot a secret sci-fi horror movie during the pandemic, and it will be getting released um, sometime next year. Not a ton of information about it. Uh, plot details are being completely kept under wraps, but. Uh, uh, it is being reported uh, that it is the fil- something the filmmaker has always wanted to make. So I'm uh, very excited for that. We will got, definitely keep you guys updated on that. Uh, Neil Blomkamp, just a fantastic director, fantastic filmmaker, and um, a secret horror movie during the pandemic. Hopefully it's badass. So uh, very excited for that. Uh, also, um, the I Note You Did Last Summer television series has finally um gotten their uh director as craig mcneil um who has done some episodes of channel zero lizzie castle rock the chilling adventures of sabrina and nosferatu um will direct the show's pilot episode um so yeah this is definitely moving forward guys Uh, i know what you did last summer the television series it will be uh an amazon exclusive so we'll keep you updated on that as well um also in television news disney absolutely killing it with these announcements recently has announced that they are going to make be making an alien television series um for fx um apparently it will be exclusively on hulu and will also be set on Earth. It will not be set on in space. Um, so uh, it says, just expect a scary thrill ride set not too far in the future here on Earth by blending both the timeless horror of the first Alien film with the nonstop action of the second. It's going to be a scary thrill ride that will blow people back in their seats. Ridley Scott also in talks to come on board as uh, executive producer. So uh, yeah, Alien, the television series will be coming to us soon. Um, a lot of good hard television coming to us soon. Uh, that one, I think I'm probably most excited about out of all the other, all the ones that have been announced so far. So I'm sure Todd, Todd being like a massive alien fan. I, I definitely want to hear his thoughts on that. Um, maybe next week when he comes back, but uh, we shall see. Uh, also uh, a little bit of news on antlers, of course, uh, a very anticipated horror movie. Um, Guillermo del Toro produced it. Um, it has been bumped once again, um, originally slated for a February, 2021 release, um, is being bumped again to later sometime next year. I, that one seems like, um, they re- I think they have really high hopes for that one. Cause they continually keep bumping it rather than dumping it to a VOD platform. They really want that one to hit theaters. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that one. What's that, Tim? What is that one? Uh, Antlers, um, Guillermo does horror produce stars. Um, what's her name? Carrie Russell. 
Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll keep you up to date on that. No other news as far as like they haven't rescheduled that or anything. Um, also, Robert Eggers' latest movie has wrapped. Of course, Robert Eggers, most famously from uh, directing The Witch and The Lighthouse, uh, has finally wrapped production on his latest um, Viking revenge film, The Northman. So uh, that should be coming out sometime, maybe at the end of next year or early 2022. I'm very excited for that. And finally, I saved this one for Sam as uh, Hulu has acquired A24's newest horror film titled False Positive um, that has been co-written and will star one of Sam's favorite people, Alana Glazer. Sam, can you tell the folks who maybe do, who don't know who Alana Glazer is? Um, Alana is one of the two amazing gals from the fantastic uh, show Broad City. Yes, very funny show. Sam turned me on to it. It's on uh, Comedy Well, it's not on anymore. It's all done, but it was on Comedy Central. Um, it's on Hulu, though, if you want to watch it. It's yes. hilarious. If you're lonely and have no friends like me, Put it on, and they become your best friends. So watch it. Yes. Um, so in the film, uh, so the plot of the film is after several attempts of trying and failing to get pregnant, Lucy, played by Alana Glazer, and Adrian finally find their dream fertility doctor in the illustrious Dr. Hindle. But after becoming pregnant with a healthy baby girl, Lucy begins to notice something sinister through Hindle's gleaming charm, and she sets out to uncover the unsettling truth about him and her own birth story, as if getting pregnant weren't complicated enough. Um, This movie apparently is being uh, compared very heavily to Rosemary's Baby, which I know Sam is a a massive fan of. So uh, we will keep an eye out on that one. Uh, The fact that A24 acquired it um, definitely raises my um you know ears a little more as well so um maybe something we will be reviewing on this show sometime in 2021 and uh that is it for hard news this week all right so i guess should we head right into rare exports mm-hmm. yeah that's it it's the most magical time of the year when traditions are honored. And the youngest among us still believe in the spirit of the season. We found something else than just plain rocks and dirt. This mountain is like a giant icebox. For storing what? Drill deeper. Prepare the dynamite. You have a grave to rob. Minkälaiset sulet tekee? Hyvä, joo.
We have Santa Claus. Selitä sille, että meillä on täällä pukki myytävänä. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And he doesn't give up. Alright guys, so let's get into Rare Exports now. Uh, 2010 release, directed by Jelmari Halander, starring Jorma Tamilla and Ani Tamilla. Uh, IMDb synopsis, in the depths of the Corventurinuri Mountains, 486 meters deep, lies the closest ever guarded secret of Christmas. The time has come to dig it up. The Christmas, everyone, this Christmas, everyone will believe in Santa Claus. Uh, so, yeah, so basically this one is a, about a small mountain town. Um, these two kids basically, you know, sneak into a basically construction site, I guess you could say. Um, and they see these uh, workers basically uh, digging this massive hole um, that they basically are uncovering. Um something mysterious that we find out to be uh santa claus uh i guess and basically the rest of this movie is uh you know the the father and the son kind of going back and forth between um you know trying to decide if you know this santa claus guy is real or not um and yeah i don't know i'm not good at synopsis i'm not todd i'm sorry guys but uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's just get right into it. Uh, Steve, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I liked it. You know, it, I I never seen it before. Uh, I'd heard a lot about it, as a lot of people. I, I've been seeking out kind of Christmas horror movies, and this one came up a lot for like more hardcore horror fans as opposed to like casual horror fans. So I was happy that we could do it for the podcast. And uh, I didn't know what to expect at all other than the movie was foreign. Um, it's funny because my wife and I were about to watch it. I didn't know it was foreign when I first watched it. And she refused to watch anything that's not English. And because it was foreign, she's like, oh, I'm not going to watch this. So we ended up watching something else. I started watching on my own, but she was in a room and the movie starts in English. So she's like, oh, it's in English. So she sat down and then it wasn't. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, got yeah. So it's actually some parts English, most of it I think is in Finnish. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those things that as the movie's progressing, I was really getting into the mystery as to what is in this mountain. Uh, we find out that um, this whole story that Santa Claus isn't like the good jolly uh, creature that Coca Cola made him out to be that you know yeah. gives presents to anyone. It was more like a demonic figure that was terrorizing villages and stuff in Norwegian culture. And at one point, he fell into a lake of ice and got trapped under the ice. So when uh, he thought out a little bit, they took the block of ice that he was trapped in and put it into like this gigantic mountain so that he can never escape again. But these, uh, I think they're mostly American. They might be some British people in there. Um, 
people, of course, want to greedily ex like exhume um, Santa Claus to, I'm not really sure what they want to do with him, but uh, they have plans for Santa Claus. So that's what they do. But unfortunately that backfires and uh, this kind of affects this small town that Joe was talking about where this father and son are kind of because of what they did their reindeer crops and all these weird things start happening in the town all their uh, heaters get stolen and uh this guy all the bags like get stolen but they keep like this guy owns a bunch of potatoes and bags and they just took the bags and not the potatoes and it's like kind of a mystery as to what's going on they capture this uh santa claus looking dude um and try to figure out what his deal is because he's acting strange and then a bunch of stuff happens um i was just really in in the ride like i really want to know what would happen next and uh it gets a little crazy at the end but i'll save that for a little bit later so sam what do you think of this one um so i had never seen it either um joe just well, he, when we he talked about reviewing it this week or whatever um, and said that a lot of people are starting to talk about it and um, just had heard good things about it. And so I was like, oh, awesome. And then um, him talking about like it was a horror Christmas movie or whatever, I got really excited. So then um, when he started putting it, he did tell me that it was like subtitles and I also was like, uh, I don't want to read. I just want to watch something so I can paint my nails at the same time. So it started off in English and I was like, oh, this is exciting. But then I was like, it's probably going to go into subtitle, um, which was fine because I was already interested and attached to it when um, the subtitles started. So I liked it. Um, I feel like it's more of a kids. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say a kids horror movie because it's not like goosebumps or anything, but it's very kitty. I don't think I was really there was really any scary parts that if you if you're a kid listening to this podcast no um if you have your kid watch it or a younger sibling they'll be fine without you um having to parent them but i mean yeah it was fun i was waiting for like exciting stuff to happen um a few exciting things <laughs> happened it was it was all right i don't know if it will be one though that i add to the Chris the horror christmas rotation every year but I didn't hate it. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of a little on the lines of Sam here. Um, I had like extremely high expectations too, I guess, going into this, just because I've heard a lot of people say it's just like an amazing Christmas horror movie. Um, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I definitely think it was like a good, enjoyable movie. But I, I was a little let down at the same time, just because like it didn't blow me away, I guess. And whether that's, you know, maybe more my own fault for kind of giving into more of the hype or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I, there's very little horror in this movie. Um, you know, I mean, there's a little bit here and there, but, you know, I would say this is more almost like a fantasy movie more than anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was fun. It was enjoyable, but uh, you know, there's long periods where not a whole lot happens. Um, and it, it takes uh, quite a bit to get to where it needs to go. Um, and it's not like it's a long movie. It's only an hour and like 20 minutes long. Um, but uh, honestly, I think this may have done better as a short rather than like a full length movie. But, you know, I, I still had a good time with it. But, uh, you know, I, I was a little let down overall. 
Yeah, uh, it'll reflect my score later, but uh, I, I agree with them. And like, I'm happy I saw it, but I don't think this is going into my Christmas repertoire. And yeah. it's for one big reason, which I'll talk about when we start spoilers. But I guess we can start now sure. uh, with some of the spoilers. Um, so yeah, so my big issue with it, and I mean big because it's a big thing, is we never actually get to see Santa Claus. Uh, yeah. So the the old man that they the naked old man that they kidnapped more on that later uh, <laughs> turns out to be an elf. He just happens to look like Santa, like the idea of what we think Santa looks like, uh, you know, old man, big white beard, and that kind of stuff. And uh, but he just turns out to be an elf that's trying to get to Santa, which they are defrosting. That's why all of the hair dryers and uh, heaters are have had been stolen. And once they get to the warehouse that actually houses Santa. Uh, it looks more like Krampus. He's got these gigantic right. um, horns that are sticking out of the ice, but you never actually get to see uh, what he looks like. It's just the horns are sticking out. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to see like when he pops out of there and starts attacking and stuff. But they, you never see it. It's, I, it's probably a budget issue. Yeah, definitely. But it was a huge disappointment to me because like, why show it that much if you're, <laughs> you're not going to show it? It's like a, I felt blue balled on that one, you know? It's, oh, totally. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree with you more, Steve. Uh, that, you know, you're just waiting for that big reveal like the whole time. And honestly, that could have like, I was waiting for him to go like, like just crazy. Like I was waiting for Sam to explode out of that ice and just completely destroy and just like rip apart like a bunch of people or something. And it just never happened. And I think they were setting that up like the whole movie and it just never happened. And it was just such a letdown. I also agree with that like especially just seeing his horns you're like wow those are humongous like you you know that seeing Santa is going to be amazing it's going to make the whole movie worth watching and sitting through it um but yeah that's that's all that you saw and there was no exploding out of the ice it was just kind of like well wait what happened to that though I don't care about the elves I want to know about Santa <laughs> yeah and we're also led to believe uh, that the elves are like these really dangerous uh, characters because they wreck the reindeer in the town, like just absolutely maul them. So you're led to believe that these things are really strong and really like powerful and really crazy. You never see it. Like they just, they're tamed so easily and so like boringly that that again also takes away from the movie. You know, I was expecting more horror in the horror film. <laughs> Uh, and there isn't a ton of it. There's a lot of aftermath horror, but not a lot of actual scene horror. You see like people's helmets fly off from far. Uh, there is one like, I guess, brutalish kill with an ax to the head, but not to the level that I was expecting, I guess. No, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, what, what else, Steve? What were the, some other things you had, you wanted to talk about, you said? Uh, I have officially hit my old man dick quota for <laughs> for a while. Uh, there is a lot of fucking old man dick in the movie, uh, which I, I could have seriously gone without. Um, I now maybe you guys could answer this. I actually had this conversation quickly on Instagram with Weezerface. What's the deal with the eighty five thousand dollars for the Santas? And <laughs> yeah. what? Who the fuck is paying this money for these guys? Like, what are they doing? that it makes them worth that money 
who's buying these? How do they know about it? Where did he get that giant plane? There's so many questions about the last like five minutes of this movie. I just didn't understand this ending at all. Uh, so the $85,000 was because uh, that is what they lost with all the reindeer that died at the beginning of the movie. All oh, right. Like, okay. That was the amount of money. Right. So, that, the va- the value. Yeah, that's, so that's why they came out with that value. Um, as far as like where they hatched this plan to, we're going to like train all of these elves to become like little Santa Clauses uh, and stuff. I thought was like super funny and cute, but yeah, I mean, it's completely random as hell. Like to end this movie on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was just, and a lot of my problems with this movie, I think happened in the last 10 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> coming back to that Santa scene where they're like, you know, trying to, destroy him or whatever uh there are a bunch of bags which is what the potatoes were housed in with kids in them uh they free the one kid that they knew because there's two fathers that are kind of going there but all the other kids they just leave in a bag and then airlift them like super uncomfortably (laughs) and then this other kid is hanging off the bag like in a helicopter as they're going through mountains and shit and the cgi is just garbage for that entire scene that whole thing, I was just like, oh my god, this is just not good. No, oh, yeah. That's yeah. what I told Joe when um, uh, the main character kid was on the bag off of the plane. I was like, Joe, he would have fallen off and died. Like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that helicopter driver was all over the place, too. It's not like he was driving straight. I will say, I told Joe, I was like, Every time they showed the elves and their old man wieners and their butts, I was giggling. And I was like, I'm so glad you, Steve and Todd, all have to watch this. <laughs> I lo- I did love how like all the elves did look like what we would think of Santa Claus's though. I thought that was like a smart little uh like thing they did. So I-, I did like that. But it just goes back to like them not showing Santa Claus though. Like the more I think about it, that really does piss me off. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. losing points as I'm thinking. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I, it, it just needed more horror, I guess. Like, I, I I would barely categorize this as a horror movie. I don't know about you guys, but. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's one thing that I was missing is that we're, like I said, we're told, they're told that these characters are really dangerous, but we never really see it. Uh, had we seen them, like, attack the workers and they had a, just a bunch of people to kill and they rip through them and stuff I like almost like a zombie film I think that would have been really cool but we don't see it it's all off camera for most for the most part right which I'm, I'm sure like we said I mean it's definitely like budgetary reasons and it obviously shows like especially at the end of the movie where they're in that like CGI warehouse that Sam pointed out to me right away with like all of the fake crates and stuff like that um which looked pretty terrible but right <laughs> Um, I'm assuming that's why we never got the big Santa Krampus reveal or whatever we, we, that we probably deserved after sitting through like a lot of, you know, cause the first like 40 minutes, not a whole hell of a lot happens here. It's, it, it's like, I wouldn't even categorize it as buildup more as just kind of meandering. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Any, anything else you guys want to touch on or. Yeah, so I was when at the end when they were um, teaching the elves how to be Santa so they could sell them. I told Joe, I was like, 
Okay, first of all, it's very irresponsible of these people to trust that their five minute lesson of Santa 101 is that they're gonna be okay like that. Like they're gonna kill everyone of wherever they're being delivered to. And plus, I don't like that they just were sold. I feel like I wish they would have been blown up with Santa, the main Santa. That's just my thoughts. I agree, like the way that they tamed them at the end. I didn't like that. Yeah, just like standing there, like sheep, like exactly. And I'm like, they're the way they are is because they're Santa's elves. They're not made to be part. I just, I didn't like it. I was like, they should have just been killed. I think, but yeah, Yeah. why have that big electric fence thing if you're not going to use it to kill people? (laughs) You know, right? Like it just again, it it made no 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 sense. No, yeah. Pretty shitty people because I didn't realize that the traps were illegal for them to set. And Joe had mentioned that. And I'm like, well, they're already doing what they shouldn't be doing. So that's what they fucking get, losers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's just something for me that's like missing in this movie, especially like with it being so highly talked about. Um, I see it like on a lot of people's best Christmas horror movies lists. And, uh, I uh, I guess I missed the boat on this one. And it, it sounds like maybe all of us did. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're just missing. Maybe we're being too critical on it, but I, I don't think so. No, I mean, if we all agree, right? And we all watch yeah. it independently. It's just, uh, like, to me, if you want to watch a, like, fun, crazy Christmas film, like, watch Santa Slay. <laughs> um, this, yeah. like, yeah, maybe it was like, just expectation, but... I don't know. I, I, I kind of Kramp- missed. Well, go watch Krampus. That's yeah, like right. a way better like version of what this was, you know. Yeah. And it's too bad because from what we could see of Santa Claus in this, he looked really cool. I yeah. love. I loved how big he was. The horns were fucking amazing. Yep. But like, that's it. <laughs> you, know, you don't see him, so too bad. No, definitely. What did you guys think of the? What did you think of the kid? Like the main character here. I thought he was good. Yeah. A little mature for his age, I think, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he was okay. Like, I felt bad for him, you know, it was obviously that the, he missed his mom, and uh, yeah. it, re- it really took a toll on his dad that, uh, uh, and also, like, I know there's potatoes in this town. Why are they only eating fucking gingerbread? <laughs> 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 like, what, what, what's up with that? Christmas, Steve. I know, but like, it's, that's all they eat throughout the movie is gingerbread meat though so they couldn't eat anything else yeah i don't know it's Hmm. it's just one of those things you know what i wanted to see real quick um and then you don't have to say todd's rating but i want to hear i want to know what he said about the movie um but when they got the horns out and put it on the truck or whatever they were on where one was on each side pointing up i thought they were gonna run over all of the elves and like stack them like stab them and stack them and like like I thought they were gonna like, what do you call it? Um, oh shit, what's that word? I'm gonna say it wrong, so don't laugh, but you can laugh. Shish kebab. I thought they were gonna shish kebab all the elves on the <laughs> horns. I, I was ready for it, but they didn't. Oh, that would have been fun. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, when they like pulled out of the building, Joe, because I thought that's what they were gonna do. But yeah, I'm like, I was, have I was, I was waiting for the moment when like all of the, uh, elves were running at the thing i thought they were all gonna pile on top of each other like world war z style and like take over the helicopter which would have been awesome <laughs> a lot of things would have been awesome <laughs> right, just, right. Yeah, that, just the 
appearing and turning into snow once Santa exploded. Even the, like if they just turned into snow, I would have been happy with that. <laughs> the director's listening and was like, well, hey, give me another $5 million budget and I would have been able to do all this. <laughs> I'm not shitting on it. I was just saying where I thought it was. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, like we did shit on it like pretty much the whole review, but I do want to say that one thing I did like is the whole sequence of them holding what we thought was Santa, but eventually became an elf. Like yeah. and the, the slow build as to what his deal with, you know, at first you think he's dead and then he he starts moving and then he wakes up and then he's he seems to perk up when the kid's around and then they tied him up and it was just like I thought it was cool it's like a slow build his eyes were like really crazy and yeah. and I like that I, I was really interested into where where is this going uh like what are his powers what what's his deal like is does he want to eat the kid does he want to smack the kid does he want to yep. give him a gift like I didn't know where it was going so like there was a good build-up it's yeah. just they didn't stick the landing and that's yeah you know we talked about it in two movies tonight uh you know, Don't Listen and Hunter Hunter, which also, kind of, well, Don't Listen was pretty good throughout, but Hunter Hunter had a really slow build, but it stuck the landing, and that's what made it great. This one is the opposite. Like, it just didn't get there, and it's too bad. Right. No, yeah. No, definitely agree. Um, all right. Uh, should we read Todd's thoughts on the movie? Yeah, we're yep. Todd's thoughts. Okay, before we get into our ratings, uh, Todd was able to um write in and tell us what he thought todd we missed you tonight we love you uh all right he said uh his thoughts on the movie uh very very short thoughts uh he said he thought it was boring and nothing happened <laughs> and he rated it a five out of ten okay right uh and i guess i'll go next um i don't think it was boring uh you know, I, I think it definitely suffered suffered from budgetary reasons for the most part. Um, I, I, I found myself like mainly entertained throughout the movie. Um, I just wanted more out of it. And ultimately, I was left mildly disappointed. Um, but I guess it's like an okay one-time watch. But uh, it's not something I would watch again or add to my Christmas horror rotation. Um, so uh, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a six and a half. I'm going to give it a 5.5, I guess. Okay. Uh, I was coming into this episode with a seven, but after having discussed it, I think I'm more at a, I'll still be nice. I'll still give it a 6.5 because I, I did enjoy it. Like I just yeah. watch it again. You know, it's a. Uh, it just sucks that the ending had so much potential and it kind of lost me in it. But I had chuckles, you know, there's some scenes that made me laugh and I was really into it. Like I was really looking forward to seeing where it was going. So for the experience, I'll give it a 6.5. But for the, if they had shown Santa and done a better ending, this would have been a great movie that I would have put on oh, my totally. Christmas list. So. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. If they did like the things I wanted it, them to do, like this would be like an eight or higher, you know, this would have been along the lines of a Krampus where it would have been like one of my favorite Christmas horror movies. But like you said, just did not stick the landing. Um, and it's just, yeah, no, dis uh, yeah. Overall, just disappointed, especially like with like all of the hype that a lot of people put on this one, but still glad I watched it. Uh, and yeah, so I guess, uh, 
scribe not approved on this one or one, one one time watch approved one time watch yeah yeah okay a horror squad one time watch on this one yeah I, I think it's worth watching once just temporary your expectations yeah yeah no that's a, yeah it's a great way to uh say it um so for next week guys um we are going to need your help i think we are going to do a poll right and let everyone vote yeah, on christmas horror movies that is correct so uh just yeah we're gonna each pick two movies i think and we'll let people vote which one we should watch so yes and i'm already assuming whatever sam picks will win because that's what always happens <laughs> I, I won the last one <laughs> all right <laughs> let's put it on the record Steve, I'm just glad Steve can't put warm bodies on this one. I can't. It's not a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I, no. Are, is that, are you saving? You're saving that for your birthday episode. I'm assuming. I don't. I don't know because I kind of want to earn it. Okay. You know, okay. like uh, I'm actually thinking. You're waiting uh, for the sympathy vote. Like next time it goes up, that's you what. You I know what? It's growing every time. <laughs> like, I, I I got some people that got my back on this one. Like I think. <laughs> I'm going to make it enough of a thing where people are going to like, let's shut him the fuck up. I've never actually, I've never even seen it. I think Sam's seen it, but I've never even seen it. So I don't even know. I would totally review it. I just yeah. like reading it. <laughs> and, and, and for the record, I'm, I'm going to put this out there one time. I'm not, I don't want to watch it again necessarily because I love the movie. It's, it's the only zombie movie set in my hometown. And okay. that's why I want to review it because it's the only one I'm probably ever going to get. <laughs> And it, okay. that's the reason that I like it so much. All right. Well, let's do that next time. <laughs> hey, Christmas uh, horror. But, but for this one, no. Uh, we're going to have a Christmas vote. We're each going to pick two Christmas horror films. And uh, we will review whichever wins. And I actually have a request for the community, for the listeners. I'm, as we're getting closer to the 2020 episode, uh, year-end episode, send me which films you think we should watch so we can put it on the list there's just a lot like every week it seems there's one or two films that come out so i'm sure we missed some gems like this don't listen i never even heard of i just watched it because i felt like a ghost film and i happened to be on netflix um so i'm sure there's some gems that we maybe haven't heard of or oh, yeah. kind of looked over so let us know which ones you guys think uh we should watch and you know we'll potentially watch it and so we could add it to the already great list so no yeah yeah no absolutely that's a great uh idea and also please send us um your top 10 of the year list so i can add it to our ultimate list at the end of the year obviously me uh steve todd and sam we all kind of get five fellow podcasters or friends to make a list but i would love to get the listeners list as well to make it even more of a better ultimate list so um start sending in those lists and um you know you have like a couple weeks because obviously we have next week's episode and then the following week will be our year-ender episode so please uh yes yeah, and in those top 10 lists as well you can email it the horror squad podcast at gmail.com or send it via um you know private message on our social media or whatever and or you can just send it to me because i'm not asking no fellow podcasters <laughs> for their top 10 <laughs> i could care less it's you that i want to know your top 10 and i don't ever ask anyone because i don't have friends so if you feel generous with your top 10 list share that with me but if not that's fine too i'm very excited about the top 10 this year this year i think it's going to be extremely diverse i don't think so that's why i don't like doing them because they never are 
I don't know. This year is very different, though. There wasn't like a, any mainstream releases that really came out besides the Invisible Man, I would say. And Underwater are probably the only two. And which one? Oh, yeah, and Underwater. Uh, yeah, underwater. those were like the only two like big theater releases. So, uh, uh, The Lodge, god damn it. The Lodge wasn't a major release, though. In my that heart. Only, that only was like limited release in theaters. So, Sam already championed The Lodge, I can see. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since twenty nineteen. What's that? That I have been since twenty nineteen. Well, we didn't see it till twenty twenty though, so how could you do that? Because I've been knowing about it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that is it for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, Don't forget the bye. interview. Don't forget the interview right after. Oh yeah. Sorry, we got the interview with uh, director Sean Linden, uh, director of Hunter Hunter, coming up right now. So enjoy. Hi. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, uh, where today we are joined by a very special guest. He is the director of the upcoming movie Hunter Hunter, which will be releasing on December 18th. Uh, director Sean Linden. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm very well, all things considered. How are you? Yeah, yeah, same. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, so uh, why don't you start with telling our listeners about uh, Hunter Hunter and how you got involved with the project. Uh, Hunter Hunter is about a, a family of fur trappers living in the woods that's uh, hunting a, a wolf that's stealing from their traps. And um, uh, the, they wind up finding a little bit more than, than they bargained for. Um, the script, I'd, I'd written it back in 2007. And so it's been 13 years in the making and has endured a lot of, um, you know, near misses and and um, and and almost being made and and lots of uh, uh, different challenges and rewrites to suit different budgets and suit different uh, 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 production companies and and finally wound up with uh, with Mar Vista and with IFC Midnight and and here we go. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. That, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. So, would you say this was kind of like a, a passion project for you? Yeah, absolutely. That's most of the the scripts that I write with the intention of directing are all they're they're really hard for me to to stop working to to get them made. So, uh, yeah, to to push something for thirteen years, you have to love it. You have to love it quite a bit. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so a as a writer uh, and a director, uh, do you enjoy doing one more than the other or are they both just so different? Uh, in my head, they're both the same kind of job when I'm doing them, them both. Essentially, the, the movie is, 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 is um, I guess, directed when it's written. I don't really finish with scenes unless I can see them in my head. And as a director, it's not to say that that plan is going to wind up being executed perfectly, um, but there is at least a foundation to work from. And so for me, the, the directing is just basically an extension of, of uh, or a, a, a different transformative phase of, of what exists um, as in the script. Yeah. Um so, you know, where would you say the general idea, you know, for this movie uh, came from? Was there any inspiration there? Uh, it came from from a, a bunch of different sources. The the movie was was basically plotted out and done on a plane ride home from a, a film festival back in 2007 with my first movie, 
uh, in Europe. Uh, I, I, I saw a, a picturesque forest on the way home and, and that kind of got a, a ball rolling in my head. And, and by the end of the trip, the main points had been plotted out that, that haven't really changed despite all of the, the rewrites. Um, is just basically boiled down into to whatever made that story unique, and and that's the stuff that that we wound up keeping. Yeah, I, I gotta say the uh, you know the woods uh, setting in this movie uh, you know worked out pretty perfect uh, for for the material. Uh, are you an outdoorsman yourself, or was it just you know some something else that inspired you to do it in the woods? No, I'm not an outside person at all. I'm an I'm an indoor. I'm a house cat. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in the course of 13 years, I had to do a lot of research, and I have since gone hunting, um, and and I have spoken with 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 you know a, a handful of of actual trappers just to get that authenticity down and to make sure that everything that we weren't or that everything we we were doing was as authentic as possible. There are some liberties that we do take in the movie, but hopefully they're not noticeable to anybody but somebody who traps every week. Yeah, uh, where uh, about uh, did you guys film this? It was shot around uh, Manitoba, which is my home province. Um, the, really, the really picturesque and, and uh, uh, the cliffs and the waterways and things like that were shot in a place called Tulabi Falls that's just on the border of Manitoba and Ontario. And um, there was a, a, a forest area in a place called Libau, Manitoba that we filmed uh, a lot of the, the really woodsy stuff. And the third place was in a, a provincial park near my home city of Winnipeg um, called Birds Hill Park that had uh, a, a heritage cabin, which means it was, it was over a hundred years old um, that we were lucky enough to be able to, to shoot in as our cabin. Very nice. Did you uh, did you encounter any you know challenges filming in like actual wood settings? Tons every day, yeah. different ones. Yeah, we were we were really our supply lines were really stretched in those times that we had to um, uh, really get out into the into the real wilderness. So we were often operating without running water or electricity or yeah. or or really anything and any kind of equipment that we needed had to had to take a really long hard path uh, to and from so it was it was really hard logistically to do that um, with the we were trying to to the story has a very harsh and unforgiving wilderness and we had to go to those places in order to to portray it properly mm -hmm. um, and you know plus we had a massive snowstorm and there were always kinds of things like that that um, that were little disasters that popped up that we were extremely fortunate to have found ways around. Mm. Obviously, uh, the wolf is a big, uh, you know, character in this movie. Did you encounter any creatures yourself while you were out there? While we were out there, there was there were bears um, in the area. Mm. There were apparently uh, traps, actual traps that were hidden in <laughs> oh, wow. in and around the area shooting so it had to we had to get minesweepers in there uh to go through all of the the places where we would be to make sure that nobody uh caught a trap to the foot mm -hmm. um yeah we 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 heard a lot of stuff and saw signs of things but you know they're wild animals they're usually right. gone by the time anybody gets there yeah definitely 
Um, so I got to say the, the performances in this movie are really top notch. I think the whole entire cast really brought their uh, A game for this movie. But uh, Camille Sullivan's performance um, as Anne really um, was really something special. Uh, can you talk a little bit about her and, and the rest of the cast as well? That's awesome. I'm really glad you liked uh, the performances and especially Camille because she's a bloody powerhouse in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were all really awesome, particularly the family. Nick, uh, Nick came in just because of our shooting schedule. He came in halfway through our shoot. So I got to, 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 um, um, catch up with him and get him up to speed while we were, while we were shooting, which was fun in its own right. Um, cause Nick loved to just hang out on set and, and just watch. He was a, a lover of filmmaking himself. Um, but the family of uh, Camille and Devin and Summer were just so good. And they gelled right away. They all made the collective decision that they were going to jump into this. They knew it was going to be a hard shoot that um, just by reading the script, you knew that a lot of it's going to be outdoors and, and probably a little punishing. And they just embraced the suck. Like they they jumped in right off the bat. And I think you can see that um, um, that 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 wholeness or that unity in the family um, right off the bat, and it required very little um, directing or or suggestion on my part. We had a a, 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 a quote unquote family dinner uh, when all of the cast got in before before we started shooting, and you could tell right off the bat that that they'd kind of they were already starting to assume their roles even then. And it really wiped all doubt out of my mind. And especially seeing, I can just remember the first day of shooting um, and, and Camille, it was a, it, it, we, our first shots were in a, a, a ranger's office and we were getting to see Camille for the first time. And, and just those first couple of takes and seeing it, it was like a huge weight that had been lifted off my shoulders. Like there's no need to worry about this. She's, She's going to do it whether you, whether you help her or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think she's one of my favorite performances of the entire year um, from everything I've watched. Uh, so, That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this was like, this movie was such a, you know, the, they sent over the screener to us and it was like, you know, it's one of my favorites of the year, no doubt about it. So uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about, uh, about it as well. Um, I've got very little frame of reference. I've seen it way too many times to see <laughs> things work. So it's good to get these opinions and, and especially if they're favorable. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to get into it without spoiling the movie too much. Obviously this is a, a brand new movie. Um, and it's, you know, it's actually, th this interview will be, is getting released the day that, uh, the movie's gonna, uh, hit, uh, on demand. Oh, um, okay. so without spoiling the movie, uh, too much. I do want to talk about kind of the the ending sequence of the movie a, a little bit. Um, I think the final twenty minutes of this movie uh, will get genre fans, um, you know, talking about this movie. I think this is what's going to really uh, set this movie apart for genre fans. I think they are. It's going to be unmemorable. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, very memorable um, for them. Um, so, uh, without spoiling too much, uh, can you, you know, was it always the plan to go with, um, sort of the, the graphic payoff or, uh, did it just come about as filming progressed? No, it's always, it was always meant to be a, sh the, the ending was meant to be the showstopper. It yeah. was the, the kind of the purpose that it was, it was there 
from the very start and and you know once you see the movie and look back at it it's there there's no, it it seems like a very natural progression of mm-hmm. of the themes in the film yep um i was really trying you know not to make the ending gratuitous but horrific by its own weight yeah um uh, you know, people have seen gore before. It's nothing that you haven't seen before. I mean, if you watch Game of Thrones or, or anything <laughs> like that, you've, you've seen gorier stuff than that or bloodier yeah. stuff. It's just the, it's, it's, it's what you were saying. It's Camille and it's Devin. It's, it's of, of caring and understanding these people um, before they're thrown off of the proverbial cliff and, and you're along for the ride, so... Um, and it's also, I really was interested in, in giving, in leaving the audience with a very ambivalent feeling towards violence yep. um, of, of, you know, of, of wondering what they just saw and if they're okay with it. Um, and, and what those, that, the, the ramifications of, of that answer means to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm really excited for this one to get released. Cause I, I really want to see, um, you know, how, uh, it's perceived, especially the ending. I really think this is going to be one that uh, the fans are really going to embrace. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously this is categorized as, um, you know, a horror movie. Would you categorize it as a horror movie yourself? Um, it was always the intention to to horror it up a lot. Yeah. But it's, it's really a mystery with some super horrific elements to yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, so I, I was kind of uh, going back on your IMDb, and I see you've you've kind of pretty much stuck within the thriller, horror, crime uh, genre. Is that um, something you'd like to continue on, or would you like to to branch off into uh, some other genres eventually? Yeah, that's my wheelhouse. At least as a as a filmmaker, as a writer, I'm a I'm a pretty good mercenary, so I'm I can I can I can do that other stuff. But my wheelhouse is. Uh, genre and hunter or and, and horror and sci-fi and, and crime and, and thrillers and things like that it's almost exclusively what I what I uh, work with when I'm making a uh, script for myself so it's definitely something it's it's I'm not really you know it's what I do what I think I do best so I would love to, to stay in this and it's got so, like they're that they're my people I'm a huge horror fan it's my nice. favorite it's my favorite favorite genre and to hear horror fans satisfied by it, it means that I've, it means that I may have made a movie that I would have liked, and and so that's it's the 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 highest compliment that I could possibly get, and that's why I love horror fans, and and you know it's got that audience that if it's good, uh, if a horror movie is smart uh, and scary, I will see that movie every time, and I'll I'll go searching uh, for it. Yeah. So. I, I'm 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 out there looking for those people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, obviously, you being a horror fan, um, you know what horror directors kind of influenced you to get into uh, filmmaking? Um, <laughs> as uh, that's a good question. Kubrick is for sure my my the the biggest or uh, the biggest influence or my favorite filmmaker, and and he's done a couple of horrors and and he works in the same way that or his scripts work in the same way that I try to and that every story has a horrific element to it Mm -hmm. um and you know but one of the big influences on on this movie was the Dutch vanishing for whatever that's worth and that's you know 
that was made back in 1988 or something like that. And it still has the power to, to horrify. Um, but for the most part growing up, it was, I, I wasn't really allowed to watch. Um, I have a big family and we weren't allowed to watch much TV or movies. We read a lot of books. And so I devoured every Stephen King book there was imaginable. Yeah. So I think he must, he, he, he's probably the biggest horror influence that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on about the movie is uh, the music and, and the score, um, which I thought were, were fantastic. Um, obviously, you know, the score, great. Uh, but that, that last uh, ending song um, was just like such a perfect uh, way to end it. Uh, so, uh, you know, where, where did that all come from? Well, it's, the, it's an extraordinary bit of luck that we found that song. First off, Kevin Cronin, who's the, who's, the, the, um, who's the composer, did a really excellent job uh, just on the fly. We, we picked him up. He happened to live in the same city as I was, and, and he wound up uh, knocking it out of the park. He did a great job. But that song, yeah, it's for the first ten, uh, 10 years or so that, you know, in the script, the song had always been for me. It was a tool song. Uh, and so once we, we realized that that was probably out of our grasp, I had to kind of reorient and it was really a hard choice because it's, I mean, if you've seen it, there's a lot of meaning in that song mm-hmm. and there's a lot of weight that's, that's put on it. Um, and so to have found something that works, the first time I'd heard that song, I was like, yes, we can definitely work with this. I was, I was really hoping for something that had a timeless quality to it that could have been made in in the 70s or in the 80s or the 90s or or the 2000s uh just because the the movie doesn't really have an era it's using you know it uses things like big radios and 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 old model cell phones and cassette walkmans and things like that so it's it's really from an undefined time so we were lucky enough to find a song that slaps and it's it's uh it's it's from it could have been from anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Uh, can I ask what what tool what tool song you had in mind, if you're allowed to say? <laughs> it was the live version of "Mama Said" live at the Nokia Theater. Wow, awesome! That's great. Uh, but I think you know what that you ended up with was was great as well. Um, Sean, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, before we let you go, is there uh, anything else in the works for you, or anything else you'd like to promote? Uh, I'm hoping to make my next movie as fast as COVID will allow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully I'll be on a desert island in the summertime shooting the next one. So, yeah. but we'll see. Right yeah. now I'm just really interested to see how uh, Hunter Hunter uh, goes over with audiences. That uh, might, that might uh, raise the likelihood of getting to make another movie, turning over another movie that quickly. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking from a personal standpoint, I, I love this movie. It was one of my favorites of the year and, um, my co-hosts who could not be on today, they were, you know, busy with work, but, uh, they also loved it. So I think, uh, genre fans will are really, um, going to appreciate this one and really going to love it. So everyone listening, definitely, uh, highly recommend checking out, uh, Hunter Hunter, uh, for sure. And Sean, thank you so much for joining us, uh, today. Thank you very much, Joe. It was a pleasure talking to you, too. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Later, man. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
your performance, you know, the, um... Performance like sexual? Excuse me? Willie. Are you saying there's something wrong with my gear? Is that what you're saying to me? I'm sorry, your gear? Willie. My fuck stick.